isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. Welcome to Perspective, a podcast for wedding creators, where we sit down often with a special guest and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry so you can learn from us and grow your wedding business. And who are we? Well, I am Simon, and this is Just Ken. And we are Cinemate Films, two Scottish-based wedding filmmakers who love nothing more than talking shop, drinking beer, and just generally having a good time with guests and... Oh my goodness, I am butchered. This is the second time I've done this. I'm just going to keep going. Anyway, this episode is sponsored by With Jack. However, I will get onto that a little bit later in the podcast. Greg, who are we talking to today? We are talking all the way from Sky to Mr. David Cornity. Hey, hello, David. Thank you for joining us. No, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. How, <laughs> how are you doing? Have you have you been recently? Been good, yeah. Been good. Um, September, October is kind of like the busiest month. I'm not sure if you have a similar thing. Spring and autumn, you know, so it's been a bit mad. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, tried to tried to uh, tried to relax in the summer when the kids were off, went on holiday and stuff like that. Which uh, with two four year olds, I don't yeah. think it was much of a holiday. But uh, it was good, you know, in hindsight. So uh, yeah, so yeah, it's good. But I've been yeah shooting loads this month and um, kind of. Uh, Looking forward to the winter when it slows down a bit and kind of tackle some of those tasks that get neglected through the year, you know, like mm-hmm. the website and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And just to kind of fresh, refresh in the mind, you know, ready for next year. Yeah, we're definitely, well, I am editing the backlog at the moment, but Greg, he's been fiddling with Calendly and all sorts of F- things. Fiddling? <laughs> <laughs> fiddling with Calendly. Anyway, yeah, just, just back-end stuff. Um, yeah. So that's all been... I go, we've actually had a little bit of a break, which has been kind of nice. Oh, nice. Did um, you do anything? Um, well, what did you do, Greg? Well, I'm, I'm just back from Centre Parks with oh, cool. my two-year-old son and partner. So mm. that was good fun. It's perfect place for toddlers. Like, so much stuff for kids to do. Mm. So that was good fun. Yeah, and I, uh, I didn't really do anything other than edit. Uh, however, I have had my four-year-old niece uh, stay with us for her first sleepover, which is... Very exciting, but you forget at that age just how early they get up. You just, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> when they hit the bigger numbers, uh, you know, you're you're looking at like seven o'clock. That's a good time. That's a good time. <laughs> but four, f- four years old, five o'clock in the morning. It, that was yeah. Well, it wasn't good. So um, yeah, yeah. Especially when it starts to get dark, and then you've got you're up for like five hours, and it's still dark. yeah yeah exactly um so david uh tell us about yourself or introduce yourself to our audience i should say because obviously we know who you are but um for those of you who haven't heard your name before who are you yeah sure um i'm david and uh i'm an elopement photographer um i do small weddings too but not like big weddings um and i live on the isle of sky in scotland and uh, i'm not originally from here i'm from newcastle in england but i moved up here like two years ago next month um, to pursue the elopement photography. So, um, yeah, kind of loving it here. It's obviously a bit of a change from Newcastle, jumping into a rural area, but, uh, yeah, it's nice and quiet. It's perfect for me. You know, I like the kind of slow pace of things. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of me and what I do. Uh-huh. That's cool. How is how is island life then? Is it is it very, very different from Newcastle, or was it an easy adjustment? Yeah. <laughs> well, we lived just outside the city, so we never really lived like in the city. Okay. But um, 
like in Newcastle. I'd say it is very different um, in the sense that, well, I think the only difference we find is that we've got like twins that are four years old now. Mm. So when we moved here, they were like two. And we moved like just before winter. So the the kind of stuff you can do with kids is like, is you know, unless you're going outdoors, obviously, which we're, we live in a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. It's not much to do like um, for really small kids. So it, it took a bit of adjusting like in that sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but we'd always like dreamt of living somewhere rural and the quieter way of life. So we kind of like settled into it quite easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have friends in the local area too. So um, it was nice to kind of have have friends to kind of socialize with in the winter and mm-hmm. and stuff like that um because we haven't got any family around so yeah um yeah it, it's a bit it's a bit different like everything's online you know you always got like postman coming like every other day with like a box for you yeah <laughs> you know because <laughs> yeah. like if you want anything you've got to go to like amazon or, or whatever and just get it kind of sent over yeah mm. or, or drive three hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh those friends that you have on sky are they other photographers or filmmakers or are, are you are they like too weird a bunch for you to hang out with on an <laughs> island no no it's um our, our like um our like friends that we hang around with all the time is um becky from bella photography oh yeah did, um, I, did i see that you just went up a big hill the other day yeah Was it yeah we do yeah yeah <laughs> we we ran up uh one of this from in poultry, there's like a mountain on the other side. We ran up and down that one. Okay. Um, we're, we're kind of like big into like running, swimming, biking. Um, she drags me along to some kind of races that she's signed up for. So we're kind of training buddies. So cool. we're always going out in that in that way. And uh-huh. uh, we've got kids of a similar age. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, like me or like us, we came from Newcastle. They moved from Newcastle like a year before or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Uh, and her husband, I, I found out when I met him, he was in the, the same high school as me in Newcastle. Oh, wow. What? Um, yeah, like the year above, but he left uh-huh. after like two years. So we, we would have crossed paths in the hallway of, of, uh, of there. And then like 15, 16 years later, we, uh, we live next door to each other almost yeah. on Sky. It's a bit odd. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, yeah. It's good it's that good. your kids have friends similar age because... It's also like a good age for them to move to an island because they won't really yeah. remember much other than yeah. that. Yeah. I don't think they, they never mentioned anything from Newcastle. Yeah. I don't think I would mention it. Like there were two, like almost two when they came here. So it was, uh, yeah, I don't think they'll remember anything, which I'm kind of sad about, you know, at, at, one, at one moment because that's like, uh, you know, where I grew up, you know, so yeah. I've got like a lot of like memories, like sentimental stuff attached to the area. But mm. um I feel so so good that we did it now, you know, because if they're like seven, eight, and then they've got friend groups, and you pull them out, and then they're like trying to fit into a school, you know. Yeah. Um, you're, you're right. It would be it would be so difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before, but um, I, I took a trip up there with my wife, and ever since visiting, she has this aspiration of now living on Sky, and she's very <laughs> very focused on it. Um, she's always been a city girl though she I, I know this yeah. this is the thing so um I have to make the reality come into focus sometimes because she tends to drift off, drift off into dream world um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like you've ne- you don't know what it's like you don't know they're weird up in the islands Lindsay they're weird <laughs> that bug gets everyone who comes here everyone who comes here I did it like in 2018 I was like we've got to live here I'd been here for like 24 hours and I was yeah. like somehow yeah. like, we've got to live here somehow obviously it died out for a few you know for a few years it died out but yeah. um 
You're right. Yeah, it is. It's so easy to get caught up in the kind of fairy tale like vision of like, yeah. oh, you just roam the hills every day, and it's, it's right. like it's so lovely. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it is. It's absolutely like beautiful. I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's a lot of adjustment. You know, especially if you come from a city, there's some things that you uh, you have to kind of sacrifice to gain. You know, there is a like a give and take. You know. Yeah. Um, but I still couldn't see myself living anywhere else after here. I'm thinking like. Oh, where, where, where else would I live? <laughs> you know, I couldn't yeah. think of anywhere. You know, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, yeah. But the the kids being like you said, you know, if you have older kids, which we we now do, it's now not really an option until we hit retirement age or we kick, <laughs> kick them out of the house um, yeah. when they're you know older teens. But um, yeah, yeah. How, but, how old are your kids? Uh, mine, yeah, uh, ten, eight. And six. Yes, okay, ten yeah. and six. Yeah, it would be hard at that age to kind of change, uproot their lives and move them on. Yeah. Yes, it yeah. definitely will. Sorry, David, you might have caught me waving at someone. Um, for long-time listeners of the podcast, like very long-term listeners of the podcast, you'll remember that uh, we used to always get into, it, it, um, interrupted by uh, another photographer called Susie Lee. Well, she left us for a good few years, um, and now she's just walked back through the door and is now going to be in our co-working space. So, oh, nice! Yeah, you're in like an office. Yeah. Right? Yes. So we built a studio oh. inside our co-working space. Um, okay. And now we get to annoy our our, our co-working buddies. <laughs> hey, Susie, so come she's going to be sat at the table, and you're just like chatting away. Just I'm trying to do some work here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, pal. Yeah. Hey, Dan. Yeah, good. I'm alive. I'm alive. Say 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 hello to people. Hello. <laughs> this is he, uh, David. Uh, sorry, Susie won't be able to hear you, but David says yeah, yeah. hello. David says hi. <laughs> hi, Susie. <laughs> <laughs> Where, whereabouts are you, by the way? Are you like in Edinburgh or something? So we're we're Glasgow, kind of next ah. to the Kingston Bridge. Okay. Um, so, uh, well, for any of those people who are listening who are in the Glasgow area who are looking for a co-working space, we still have tables and seats available, so get in contact. Uh, however, David, we're here to talk about you and yeah. your work. So let, let's talk about how you got into photography because okay. I like the story about your you know, sort of doing it to honour your father. So maybe you could share some of that with our listeners and mm-hmm. let them know how you got into photography. Definitely. Yeah, sure, of course. Um, it's a bit of a long-winded story, but... Um, the, if we go like right back, um, I'd never picked up a camera until I was probably 27, okay. uh, something like that. So I think I'd, you know, I'd, I couldn't ever say that I'd always been like a photographer, stuff like that. The only thing I, I was deeply uh, addicted to when I was a kid was um, I used to have like a Nokia phone, like with a four megapixel camera. <laughs> Oh yeah, and like, you could fit like <laughs> like, like something that had snake on it. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, something like that. It was okay. more. It was more like uh, you know color screen. It was more fancy than that. Mm. But um, the, uh, the you know I could fit like a hundred photos on there, and I was I would always like be fascinated with the sky and taking pictures of clouds. So all you'd find on that phone was literally pictures of clouds. And I'd delete previous pictures of clouds and like make shapes out of them and faces, and then take new pictures and sunsets. And I'm that when I started doing photography again, I always thought I've never been interested in photography. And then I, I remembered like I must have been something caught my eye about about taking a photo and, and seeing something in awe and wanting to like capture it. 
Um, so I guess you know it, it it had interested me like previously just just you know for the crack. Um, for for years though, my dad was into like landscape photography, so he uh, had like all the gear, you know, everything you can imagine for landscape photography. He used to go out with his cousin for like sunrise, sunset, travel all over the place, like workshops, um, getting up at like three in the morning in the dark to go like to a castle for for take like one yeah. photo, and I was like. <laughs> What are you doing? That's mad. <laughs> like, you know, why would you do that? <laughs> so for like ten years, he was he was into this, and uh, I, I'd never kind of gone along with him or anything like that. But in uh, twenty fifteen or twenty, probably probably earlier, like twenty fourteen, he got diagnosed with cancer, um, and uh, I thought, and it was it was quite apparent quite quickly that that was going to kind of you know um, kind of be terminal, you know. Um, so I thought, you know what, like I want to spend some, like make some memories with him. So I got a camera for like £300. It was like the cheapest thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought, wow, it's incredible, this camera. But if you picked it up now, you'd go like, it's got like three buttons. Like, it's, what is it? <laughs> um, so I, I thought I'd go out with him and like, you know, so I went out and did some landscape photography and like, I just got the bug straight away as, as you, you're probably aware, you know, you, mm. you, you get like addicted like straight away to this kind of stuff. So for me primarily it was just because I wanted to go out and kind of like just see what interested him in it um, and uh, you know I kind of quickly very quickly got the interest myself so for a couple of years whilst he was kind of still with us um, me and my wife would go to like Lake District I'd get up for like sunrise sunset like I was living in Newcastle you know so we've got mm-hmm. that whole Northumberland coastline we've got Lake District really yeah. close yeah we've got like castles beaches seascapes like incredible opportunity for all this sort of stuff um, so I, I would just do that and then, uh, sadly, he passed away in, like, 2016. But then he had all this equipment that he had uh, kind of left behind. So my brother, who is also a photographer, um, he lives in Australia. He does, like, astrophotography and sports photography and stuff like that for yeah. a hobby. Cool. Um, he he took, like, you know, he had first pick. So I don't know what he took. He probably took all the best stuff, to be honest with you. <laughs> probably. They, they kind of, what was left, you know. Uh, I, I got what was left. So like some stuff I'm like, I've got now in the drawer. And I'm like, I don't even know what the hell this does. Um, so I got like his main, the main thing I got was his Nikon D750. That was like his main camera. Mm-hmm. He'd had it for like 10 years. So I had like one camera and a lens. And I remember the next day after I got that gear, me and my brother went out because he was all from Australia went to the beach, like set up a tripod, got like a landscape shot. And that was the first photo I took on that camera. And I've still got it somewhere on on, on, on a computer on Facebook or something. Um, so so that's kind of how I acquired the, the gear. Um, and then, you know, for a couple of years, I was just, or a year or so, I was just kind of doing uh, landscape photography, but I had this like amazing camera now and cool lens. Um, and... Uh, for me, it, it kind of, I was in that period of like grief, you know, I don't know if you've ever like lost a, a loved one or anything like that, but um, uh, obviously touch wood, you know, I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but for me, it was like quite a therapeutic thing. You know, I was mm-hmm. getting out with like a physical thing that he loved so much, like the actual the actual camera and the actual tripod and uh, the camera bag that I use is his camera bag still to this day that I haven't got a new one. Um, so it's kind of bad and like, you know, ripped and stuff. And I'm always like on the precipice of buying a new one. And I'm like, no, it's fine. Like why buy a new one? Yeah. Uh, so, so for me, it was like really therapeutic in that way and getting out and kind of going through that grieving process. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, it, it kind of allowed me in my, myself to kind of deal with it. Mm. Um, but then, uh, 
suddenly like 2018, I think it was, we found out we were going to have twins. Um, and I just kind of, um, at that stage I was working at the Apple store in, in Newcastle. Okay. Um, prior to that, I'd been in the army and training I got injured and I came out of the army and then I was due to go back in and I was kind of thinking about how I would go back in, when, what day I would go back in to training. And then we found out we were going to have twins and I was like, right, that's not happening. You know, I can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, suddenly I'm like, what do I do now? Like this plan of my what job I'm going to do is is kind of like I'll just work at the Apple Store and I'll and I'll I'll think of something. Um, and then my wife was like, oh, why don't you like do weddings? And the only photos I'd ever seen of a wedding was like my dad's wedding in registry office in like North Shields. Yeah. Like flash photo straight in the face, like you know, you know, you know, your traditional photography, yeah. you know. Although I love I love direct flash to be honest. I was going to say the direct flash thing is kind of in at the moment. Yeah. I know, and I've actually I actually used that too. <laughs> yes. But I was just like uh, you know just traditional. It's very traditional, yeah. like you know just like stand there, look at the camera, this sort of stuff. And I was yeah. like, I can't see myself like being interested in doing that. Um, but I thought, you know what? Like I'll give it a go. Uh, I I'd researched a couple of like local photographers, and I thought, oh, like, that's actually really really cool. Like you know, I like the idea of this. Um, so I put an advert on. Gumtree, um, and uh, said, you know, I had landscape photos. That's all I had. I had never shot a couple before in my life. So this is like 2019. Um, I put an advert on there, like, I'll do your wedding for free as long as I can use the photos for a website. And I got like three bookings from it. Um, and I closed it straight away because people were obviously like emailing me all, like all <laughs> over the place saying, yes, please. And I was like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to have like 20 free weddings to do. <laughs> uh, and a full-time job and kids. So um, the first one I did was at like a social club in, in where I'm from. It was like a, um, a Buddhist wedding. It was super cool. Um, I still talk to the couple to this day, actually, like okay. on and off. So, and uh, yeah, that was, that was the first moment that I really enjoyed kind of um, just like people watching, um, I'd always kind of like doing that anyway, not in like a creepy way or anything, but like, you know, <laughs> where you sat at a coffee shop and you just yeah. like watch people and it's kind of like fun. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big fan of people watching as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's I know, kind of interesting. I know, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. You, you, see, you see what happens. And, and with the camera, like you can kind of, at a big wedding, you know, you can kind of blur into the shadows, can't you, and kind of float around and, and stuff like that. And, and I really enjoyed that. Mm. Um, and then I did like another couple for free and then um, I had some photos. I actually booked a... Um, I actually wanted to become a videographer. Like that was the first thing I wanted to do, yeah. and I booked a video, like, um, uh, wedding. Like I actually did a wedding, like as a videographer. Okay. Um, using one the, wedding. No, I was gonna say using your camera gear. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just uh, handheld it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Again, that's in right now, David. I know. <laughs> I know. I kind of like holding it like so tight because I was like like YouTube and how to like hold the camera so it doesn't like shake and stuff like that. Yeah, I did it with actually like uh, I, I'll get back to where I was where I was kind of talking about, but I did it with like an amazing photographer from Newcastle called Paul Santos. Okay, um, he's like a rangefinder rising star. Like he was like well known in the UK as like a quite a um, premium like like. Um, like photographer to be having so I, I turned up at like at this church and i was like wow like i'm working with like this guy <laughs> and um he, he like i couldn't believe it you know because i'm just like starting out new and uh, anyway he he gave me like some tips through through that whole day that like still to this day I, like i remember everything he told me 
um, and I carried through in my photography. So it was like such an in, like such an interesting thing to do. Mm. Um, anyway, I didn't I didn't get into photography. I did photography. Um, <laughs> so I'd, I had a few I had a few images. I built a website on Wix, like the the most basic thing you can think of. I was so proud of it. I had a logo that I'd made and everything. It was absolutely like it was genuinely probably terrible, but uh, I had it. And then uh, I booked first paid wedding I did was in October of 2019. Okay. Um, I think I had like a Google ad or something like that. And then I had nothing for like six months, like through mm. the winter because I had a job and I wasn't, I was still kind of building stuff up, you know? Um, and then the next one I had was March in 2020, um, March the 15th or something. There was this like 10 days before lockdown. Yeah. Um, and that was actually a cousin of the person that I did of for the first free wedding for. So okay. they had like come around and had then done like their cousin's wedding. Yeah. Um, it was like a big wedding in Yorkshire. Um, and then two weeks later, obviously like everything closed down, lockdown, everything like, you know, and I, so I was like, great, this is a perfect time to build a business. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what, like in hindsight, like it was such a, such a like opportunity for me like this, this, because the way I saw it was like, wow, I've got like, I've got photos now. I've got like, nothing can be done. I've got a job. Like, you know, I've still got a job. Thankfully, like I was, I was still working and I was getting paid like a salary and all that all the way through the lockdown. Um, and I was like, I've got all this free time that when things start like kicking in again, mm -hmm. people are like booking weddings and they're wanting to like, people can start socializing again. Like I, I can have like an amazing website that, that I've like worked so hard on to like market. So for like eight months, I basically pushed that like, like I was going hardcore into that, like doing like everything I could to try and to try and build. Like I was researching brand, and I was on YouTube like five hours a day. I was pushing the kids around <laughs> the park in a buggy, learning about SEO as they were asleep. Oh, like glorious. this sort of stuff. Like I was like learning like so so much, yeah. Um, and trying to like implement it all too. Mm -hmm. And uh, I booked I think like thirty weddings in that year. I booked um, through like Google Ads and like stuff like that. Um, I wasn't ranking for Newcastle, but I think it was just through Google Ads and people booked like two years ahead. So mm -hmm. yeah, I was, I had a, like a lot of work. Um, that's, that's kind of how I got into the wedding industry, but then uh, like in Newcastle as like a doing big weddings, all that sort of stuff. Um, but then obviously I, I flipped it again where I decided that I wanted to niche down into like elopements in yeah. Scotland. Mm -hmm. And then that required like a complete like deletion of the website and the rebuilding of a new website. Yes. And new content that I needed to get, new photos, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Because um, so essentially you're going from a, a city backdrop, big weddings, to now you're living on Sky. It's your, I'm assuming you want to be on Sky and just do Sky weddings, right? Yeah, Sky, I'll Sky cover the whole. Yeah, I do cover yeah. the whole Highlands and like destination stuff too. But uh -huh. um, most of the inquiries that come to me, they, they either are like already sold on Sky yeah. or it's like Glencoe. Uh -huh. You know, or they're just saying like somewhere in Scotland and then we have a chat and I show them photos and they're like, oh, we'll just come to Sky. So yeah. it usually ends up being Sky, which to be honest, like for, for me and like my personal life, it means I can like be back home the same day with kids and stuff like that. So yeah. it's relatively like easy. Mm -hmm. um, but from a creative aspect, obviously then you're on such a, you're shooting in such a small area, you know, you need to kind of constantly be coming up with like new ideas for the same location this sort yes. of stuff you know so it, it has its kind of um it's you know positives and like negatives too yeah um but, you, but yeah so oh sorry i was just gonna j just stay on on that topic do you ever find that you're wanting to suggest different locations on sky but 
you know everyone wants to like everyone wants to go to the Kerrang. Yeah. <laughs> One, it's just it's the easiest place to shoot. Yeah. Like there's a big car park. There's never really a massive issue with parking. Not really. Yeah. Um, there used to be. <laughs> well, there used to be, but now that they've got the parking all set up and, and it's all good, and it's just so convenient. Yeah. But do you ever do you ever feel that you try and push your couples to different locations, or is that where's the kind of how do you balance that line? That's an interesting question because I've spoken to lots of people about this before. I shoot at the Kerrang, like, I, I swear, like, this month I've shot, like, 20, 20 times at the Kerrang. Yeah. And um, the, the, the one thing that I'd say to that is, um, usually couples, they see a photo, they see, like, the Kerrang Old Manor store, right? And, you know, these are, like, the iconic spots. They want to mm. go there. Um, usually, just because um, of, uh, it's really easy to kind of get a really quiet spot throughout the whole year at the Kerrang, like away from tourists in the middle of summer, like you can always find a quiet spot. There. It's actually massive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's always like hidden gems around there you can kind of go to. So I, if they say the Kerrang, like, I usually suggest it as a ceremony location mm-hmm. because like first and foremost, um, they want to have like intimate experience. They, they're all open because they, they don't want people pr- like prying into their personal lives. They don't want a big audience. They mm-hmm. want... Um, you know, that sort of thing. So it really supports that. So for them, like, it's the right choice for them. Yeah. And I would never kind of sway them away. I'll give them other options, you know, like for a second, third location, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and I do, you know, do weddings at different locations too, do ceremonies at different locations. But uh-huh. um, I find that um, the the one kind of thing that in my head when I'm, when I'm getting to that stage where I think, oh, you know, I just like... I wish I could shoot somewhere like somewhere else for a ceremony. Like I wish I could like convince people to go somewhere else. Is um, I'm not sure if you know Gabe McClintock. Of course, yeah. yeah. Have we had yeah. him on the podcast? I feel like we have. No, we've not. No. Oh, you should definitely get him on. He's amazing. Have we not Gabe on? Oh, right. I think he, we met him at farm. We did. Yeah. No. Yeah. He'll be. Yeah. Listen, to, yeah. I would love to hear. I'd love to hear him on your podcast, honestly. Um, but he has like a Patreon page, and he had some kind of videos on there and stuff like that. And he, the one, th- and someone asked him a question like, "How do you find the inspiration if you're turning up to Banff like 50 times a year? How do you find that creative energy to still try and create something unique? Do you not just want to shoot somewhere else?" So it's kind of the similar kind of thing we're on here. Yep. And the thing that he said to me is like, "It's the 50th time for you, but it's the first and only time for them." Yeah. yeah. So that's what sticks in my head every time I'm thinking, oh, "I don't want to shoot here anymore. Like, I want to try and find somewhere new." Is that? You know what? Like they've flown halfway, they've flown halfway around the world, like literally sometimes too. And they've chosen you, you know, like they could have chosen anyone um, for their day. Mm. It's like that's what they want, you know. And, and it's important that that um, we kind of respect that. Yeah. Um, and also, like, not just that, but like get really excited about it with them, you know, um, too. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of what I think. And and the, there are like loads of spots at the Kerrang where you can. Uh, find new compositions, new new hidden spots you've not been to, um, uh, and stuff like that. But that that is one of the things that sometimes you know, time after time after time, like next week I'm probably there like four times mm-hmm. um, doing a ceremony, which is like absolutely don't mind. But um, there's something when you turn up to a new location you've not been to before that like like you get excited about. It. You're like, oh, what can I create here? You know? Yeah. yeah. And it is different when you turn up to the same place time and time again. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, that's what I kind of I kind of say is that I, I I definitely have that feeling, but I do have to like kind of 
kick myself, you know, sometimes yeah. and go like check in with myself and just go like, what, you know, it's always about them, not the photography. Yeah. It's always about um, they having the best day. Are they like where they want to be? You know, are the mm -hmm. photos going to be the ones they want to hang on the wall? And I'd hate to go like, oh, I took them to a ceremony spot and they thought, ah, it's, it's all right, but it wasn't what we want, wanted, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, totally. I'd, I'd, I'd hate that, but um, but yeah, I've, I've been there before. And, and obviously I don't want to kind of keep showing the same location over and over again, this sort of thing, because then that's what people want to, that's what people want to want to see in their photos. Yeah, you see it all yeah, time yeah. in yours. You show what you want to see, type thing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's what uh, Gabe said to me. That, well, he didn't say it to me. He said, <laughs> he said <laughs> on a one he said to one. On that thing. <laughs> yeah, one to one. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he said as well. He was like, um, uh, you know, kind of uh, curation and stuff like that. People are going to book you for what they see in your work. Yeah, and obviously, like I want to be outdoors all the time, so I'm always showing like outdoor stuff. Mm. Um, but if you're always showing like the same location, people probably want to say like, oh, I like that photo. Like, where is that? Can we go there? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. you kind of can do yourself a favor by kind of diversifying the, uh -huh. the stuff you show too. Um, yep. If you kind of want to kind of scale that back a little bit, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I have to admit, David, that I asked you that question kind of selfishly because we're, we're coming to Sky again. And the, the couple are getting married kind of in Edinburgh, in a, just outside Edinburgh in a castle called uh, Borswick Castle. And then the next day we're going up to Sky just for a little adventure session, um, which is just a few hours with us shooting some good stuff. And I, and I don't even live there, but I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, I, d I feel like I want to take the couple Maybe. somewhere d different. Yeah. But then... Yeah. I, I came to that very same conclusion that you were talking about with Gabe, which was how often do they go up there? Like, yeah. what is the best, like, most, like, what was it that I fell in love with when I first went there? And it was mm. definitely the Krang. And plus it's easy yeah. to shoot. It's, yeah. you know, so, so I was like, yeah, like, they'll love it. The few times that we have a couple in our car with us or even like if you're driving Lindsay up to the Highlands, mm. you drive through Glencoe and it's always like, whoa, this is amazing and it reignites, you get to Sky and it reignites your passion for your country. Like yeah. you're driving around Scotland going, yeah, you're right. This is awesome scenery. Like yeah. I, I've been taking this for granted recently. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, when you hear how easy, other easy people to. feel about it, yeah. it reignites yeah. your passion. Mm. Yeah, you do. Like on, on Lopemans, you, like you say, you, you yourself, like when you turn up with a couple somewhere and like you turn up the Quran probably that time when you're coming up, was it next week or something? If you turn up... November. November, November you, yeah. November, yeah, you turn up with a cup, probably going to be like mind blown, you know, and you're going to be like, yeah, you're right, it is insane, like, absolutely, we should be here, like, this is the perfect place for you. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's just about kind of um, trying to like location scout, I guess, uh, because I live like close to it, it's easy for me to kind of on an off day go and kind of explore, mm -hmm. try to find like a, a spot I've never been to, a spot I've never seen photos at before. Mm -hmm. uh, just to try and like mix it up a little bit, you know, if, if the couple are keen to walk, you can like, you know, get some kind of cool spots around there. But yeah. um, there are kind of, you know, the places that people are turned up to over and over again. And it's not just obviously us, like every photographer on, on the Quran is probably going to the same place. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but on the flip side, you know, um, in the summer, there, there can be sometimes three or four couples on the Quran, like at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um like the other week, there was like three I saw in the distance. Like I, I was prepared that they were there because like in a Facebook group, like we all were like, it's busy. Uh, like, you're in the we're all going to be in the yeah. Kerrang. Let's yeah. try and keep out each other's ways. Yeah. You got to try and keep the element of kind of um, 
that it's unique to the couple. You know, it's their it's their landscape for the day, and yeah. I'd hate for them to kind of bump into someone else who's getting married, even though they probably wouldn't mind. Like I just want to kind of keep the that it's kind of it's their day, you know, and it, it's just for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the in in that sense, you know, it, it could be easy to kind of talk to the couple and be like, oh, it's going to be like really busy at the Krang. There might be other people getting married there. Like we could go somewhere else. Like that that would probably open it up for being like, yeah, okay, I'm happy to go somewhere else. I, I wouldn't like to you know bump in anyone else. So. Um, I guess it's how you position it to, to couples and stuff yeah. like that. But um, like even on our elopement, like we got married, like uh, well, it was one year ago yesterday, so it was like our anniversary yesterday. Oh, c- congratulations! Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and on the day itself, like we went to the Kerrang. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a you know because yeah. and I was like, if I want to go there on my day, even though I shoot there all the time, like I don't blame anyone else for wanting to go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so have you? Have you printed out some of the photographs from from your day, and do you have them up on your wall? And I would love to say yes. <laughs> oh, terrible, David! Terrible. <laughs> you know what? Uh, we planned. We planned to. My wife actually designed an album like um, on through Pick Time. Oh yeah. So she's uh-huh. designed it. We just haven't gotten around to printing it yet. But it took her weeks. She was like dropping and dragging photos, and she was like, it was like an art project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> she, yeah. You know, she was like proper into it. So we we planned to do it. I've got no, as you see, I've got nothing on the walls around here. I'm still planning to put something on the wall around here, you know, <laughs> yeah. like a big photo. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Every time we ask a podcast guest to to come on, we're always like, go somewhere kind of quiet. And they always go into these like plain wall spaces. Yeah. I'm like, are you, are you okay? Is something wrong? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is like a rented house. So we like, we've done nothing on the walls. I've got like the exercise bike thrown in the corner. So it's not in the way. Oh, amazing. <laughs> All that sort of stuff, yeah. Because it's like spare room, office, yeah. exercise room. It serves all purposes. Multi-purpose, yeah. yeah. But David, yeah. your one-year anniversary, you could have you got that book printed, David. I'm just saying you could have got it printed. And that would have been an easy gift. <laughs> you know what? It would have been, it would have been, but I probably would have printed it and she would have gone, I haven't finished it though. Oh, oh well, that's true. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, we do plan on, because I do, I, I deliver prints to every couple, like I, uh, uh, as part of, package you know because i think you should print them so i'm not really a good advertisement for this myself <laughs> but i i make sure and i had some new samples from uh from folio albums mm-hmm. sent they kind of ship it all for me now and stuff so it's nice and easy and they sent me some samples of my photos and i was like i couldn't believe the quality i was like yeah. wow this like it's just like so different there's a feeling you know there's a tangible feeling there mm-hmm. and uh so i 100 percent recommend people to print and get albums um mm-hmm. But uh, I just haven't done it myself yet. Yeah. <laughs> see, see when you get a client, do you, do they normally come and visit you before the shoot or? Uh, no, they just uh, we okay. just do a Zoom call usually. Okay. Um, okay. Because I don't I, think, I don't I don't know if you've heard of uh, Ollie and Steph. Yeah. They're also on the island. They built themselves a little studio um, to work from, but also to you know there's a couple of seats and a table, and they've printed out their products and and stuff. So it's quite a nice little you know space to bring clients in who have been yeah. but i wasn't sure obviously we don't meet many clients nowadays no. it's all kind of yeah they're from the states or they're from somewhere or we're just yeah. living busy lives so yeah yeah it would be cool too i've i've met couples before like the night before for a drink in poetry or something but ah, yes. um but to be honest usually like they turn up Usually it works out that they arrive the day before their elopement, so they could be arriving late. Um, and for a big wedding, I can see the 
I can see like people could like because they're local. Usually they're all like like if you're doing big weddings in Edinburgh, they're probably all living like in reasonable distance to Edinburgh, give or take. Mm-hmm. They probably could come in like um, or, or Glasgow. They could come and like visit, and I could definitely see that like, a benefit of showcasing your products and you can chat face to face. Yeah, um, like get actual. You know, it's better in person, isn't it? Definitely um, better in person. Yeah. Yeah, but I always do a Zoom. Like when couples inquire, I always have a Zoom with them. Um, and uh, multiple Zooms like before the day. So like yeah. we do get to know each other that way and we email back and forth, stuff like this. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and usually on the day I turn up like half an hour early just so I can like chat to them for half an hour before we start. Yeah. This sort of stuff. Because um, it, is, it is odd, like you turn up to somewhere you've never been before, like you got like jet lag, suddenly someone turns up and starts like taking your photo, you're like, what's going on? Yeah. So usually I try to like, you know, build something before if I can. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love. By the way, I always forget that some of my couples might have jet. Like, I remember. Uh, I don't want to give names away, but uh, I ended up driving the groom from the Krang back to his place, and he fell asleep in the car. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, poor guy." <laughs> poor oh, guy. I've, I've had couples fall asleep like loads of times in the car because it's so cozy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the uh, roads are like a, like getting rocked like a baby, isn't it? Like on the sky, it's like a roller coaster. <laughs> Until you hit a pothole. Yeah, <laughs> or, or one of those. Not cat- too bad at the minute. <laughs> oh, they're not. Oh well. Wait yeah, but they're definitely coming out though. Yeah, yeah usually. Gonna, yeah, yeah. they usually fix them like just before spring, and then the locals have got to drive through winter, through like you know just car destroyers. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, when we go up in November, I'm gonna have to be careful. Jesus, uh, yeah. David, what what specifically draws you to elopements? Like, well, like, what made you move from Newcastle, where you were comfortable, uh, to moving up to a place like Sky? And yeah, what what made you make that decision? Well, um, so this, like, following on from the, um, you know, the lockdown, then I had to build a build a website and I'd booked mm. like the local weddings. So to kind of go back there um, through the through the lockdown I'd photographed like you know when they were getting called like micro weddings yep. yeah you know that's what the, that was like the new hashtag wasn't it micro yeah. wedding all that I think stuff. I just saw someone recently having a little bit of a complaint about how they don't like the term micro wedding so yeah. it's obviously a standard now but yeah. yeah I prefer to call like a small wedding intimate wedding yeah this sort of stuff but micro yeah maybe they think like it's not a real thing it's a small one <laughs> you know it's got like a I don't know Maybe that's what they're getting at. Yeah, yeah maybe. But, um, yeah. <laughs> so, well, in 2016, 17, somewhere around then, like we'd come to Sky on a road trip with me, my brother-in-law and my wife. Um, we, we were only on Sky for like two days. Mm-hmm. Um, we went up the West Coast to like the Northwest, all the way down to Glencoe, all that sort of stuff. And we stayed at Sligerkin. We didn't go any further north than that. Like all we saw was Sligerkin. We did a walk there and then we went home. And we thought, oh, like, it'd be so cool to live on Sky. Um, and then, obviously, we had, like, my wife was working for the NHS. I was working for Apple. Like, you just can't do that here. So we just yeah. kind of, that idea went kind of in the bin, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, it's never going to happen. We'll just kind of, you know, at some point, like you're saying, we we'll, might retire at some point and, we'll, yeah. uh, and we'll, we could move somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, or we can find, like a, like, a country side place around where we live where we could, you know, kind of have that life. Um, so... I'd photographed the kind of big weddings in Newcastle and I'm kind of an introverted person. Like I prefer like smaller groups. I'm kind of, 
sometimes get a bit like social anxiety, like a bit panicky in, in big crowds. Which, mm-hmm. You know, you turn up to a big wedding and suddenly you've got to kind of direct people and stuff like that. And it was yeah. just like, it was filling me with like a lot of anxiety. Um, I really enjoyed it, but um, it just wasn't the kind of vibe that I really um, like thought myself doing long term. Mm-hmm. Th- and, and I was trying to think like long term here. Um, and also I think we'd had like, because um, we'd just had twins, the lockdown had happened. I think like a lot of people in that time, you kind of analyze your life, analyze um, what your purpose is, what you want to do. Um, so we kind of deep dived into like a lot of that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. um, thinking about what we wanted to do long term. And I'd always loved landscapes. And in the lockdown, I'd come across elopements in Scotland because prior to that, um, I'd had kind of a, a rough idea that it was possible. I'd never really like looked into it. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'd come across like a lot of photography on Instagram and I was like, wow, you can do this. This is a mega, like this is like artwork, you know, like it's landscape photography and it's like couples. Yeah. It's like blending the two things that I'd kind of, I really like to do. Yeah. Um, so then I was thinking like, how, how would I even do that? So then what I did was um, I went on a couple of, in the lockdown, I went on a couple of like workshops. One was in the Peak District, one was in... Mm-hmm. One was in, it was photography farm. Okay. It was at Dun- Dunglass Estate in like 2020. Oh, right. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. It was Sean Bell. It was, it was Lisa. Like, it was just those two, I think. Yeah. Um, I thought I just wanted to get like outdoorsy content. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I had some photos and I contacted an elopement planner in like late 2020 and said, oh, like, um, you know, I'd love if you could like add me as a recommended supplier um, I basically just like called called this person <laughs> and was like, best just give it a bash, you know. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'd I'd love to, I hear some of my photos. It's from a workshop. Like it's it's a real kind of couple. They're 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 not models. They're just kind of a couple that this photographer was shooting the wedding for. And he said, oh, I've got a workshop. Do you want to be like a couple for the day? Um, and she was like, oh, like I love your style. I think I've got a couple who would like really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next day she got me a booking for like an elopement and I was like, wow, that was like rapid. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was, um, it was Laura from Wild Hearts Elopements. Uh-huh. Okay. So, um, and since then we kind of chatted. So we, we, so I kind of got that, that elopement and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like I would look like, I would love to do this. Um, and then what I think I needed at that stage was some kind of direction, you right. know, because, uh, I was thinking like, I would love to completely turn my website around and I'd love to just do elopements. It would require a lot of traveling because obviously I live in Newcastle and I have to drive to Scotland, blah, blah, blah. But maybe at some point I've got enough, then I'd be able to move to Edinburgh, Glasgow, continue working for Apple. There'd be a hospital there my wife could work at. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to kind of manage that process uh, and kind of north. Um, and then I had a, uh, and then I'd learned that Becky from Bell Art Photography had moved from Newcastle to Sky. Yeah. Um, on Instagram, I think I'd seen like some other photographer had posted like uh, some some sort of social event that, that they were both at, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, maybe I can get in like touch with her. And she was doing mentoring at the time, and I had a mentor session with her in uh, t- I think it was like twenty twenty, like November or something like that. And she said like the way you have to do it is you have to like um, you have to come, you can't like half half be an elopement photographer and half be a big wedding photographer in Scotland. Like if you want to be successful at it, you've got to like go all in on the, on the one. Mm-hmm. You've got to like properly niche down and like change stuff. So pretty much after that, like November, December and January, 
um, I deleted my website um, from Squarespace and I built a new website on, I think it was Flow Themes. I think I, okay. went, to, I, I, think I went to WordPress. I might have gone on a different, uh, initially like stuck with Squarespace until I had built the Flow Themes website uh-huh. and then like just completely switched it off and on. Yeah. Um, so January I launched the new website, which is just like Scotland. I was like... All the SEO knowledge that I had learned, I tried to like implement all that, and I had um, I had guides, all that sort of stuff. Uh, actually, in the lockdown, I'd gone on like a a three day trip to Scotland when you were allowed to kind of start going out and stuff like that, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, I'd I'd gone like back to Glencore, back to Sky, to all the locate like all the iconic places. Um, I'd left my wife at home with like the eight week old twins <laughs> and I'd gone, I'd gone on this like jolly to work. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I got landscape shots. It was mainly just cause I thought if I'm going to try and like be a, a lump photographer in Scotland, I want to give firsthand accounts of like these places. Mm-hmm. Otherwise yeah. I'd feel like I was being a bit of a con artist. You know, I was like trying to like big up a place that I'd not been to and I didn't, yeah. it didn't feel right. And also through the SEO stuff, I'd learned that I'd need to like create a guide. Mm. Um, to like start ranking on Google for these locations. Yeah. Um, so all those landscape shots, I then built an, a blog just of landscape shots, nothing of of couples, um, and they start to like rank like after a couple of months, and then I start getting inquiries, and then I replace those photos with like eloping couples from these places. Mm-hmm. So now those guides are still on my website, but like obviously I've got all the content now from from the, from the couples there. Yeah. So that's how I kind of built it, and those two blogs or three blogs. Are where like ninety five percent of my couples come from, like yeah. still to this day. Um, yeah, in fact, so that, that's kind of how it went. How it went. They're so prevalent on your blog. Like I sign. I don't know if you noticed my email drop into your your system, but I I downloaded some of your blogs just to have a look at them. Uh, so I've got a whole series of questions about them because <laughs> yeah, sure. I, think, I think more people should do should do blogs. To be honest, yeah. Um, I feel like I heard that maybe. Six years ago, I feel like blogs used to be the focus for a lot of like, um, you know, workshops. I make sure you're doing blogs, and then it slowly crept into make sure you're doing your Instagram, and blogs are kind of left a bit. And now I feel like the attention's coming back to drawing people to your website again. Yeah, it's it's always it's always been important, but as Mm. you say, people get distracted by oh, do this instead. And then the blogs dropped by the wayside. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I, but I am gonna I'm gonna tease people there and just leave it until later in the podcast where I get to ask you some questions about your blogs. <laughs> okay. Um, in the meantime, stuff. do you know how before we started recording, Greg said that Simon's gonna do some Addy stuff. Well, oh, yeah. if you've enjoyed this podcast <laughs> conversation so far, you can join us on YouTube and see our beautiful faces at youtube.com forward slash at perspective by Cinemate. Support us on YouTube. Hit that bell and like subscribe and do all those things yeah so you've, you've mentioned that you were sort of focusing on or you love the idea that it's landscape photography but with a couple mm. and it's merging yeah. the two so how how would you describe your photography as a sort of style and what are you striving for from your photography well the it's a difficult question, isn't it? It's, I find it really hard to analyze my own photos. That's why when you asked me some questions on Instagram before this, I was like, who can I ask? So I asked my wife, like, what should I say? You know, I, I find it really hard to kind of do that. Um, 
the the kind of um, the kind of style and the kind of feel is I want I always want um, to uh, portray the landscape and the couple. For me, like the landscape is as important as the couple in the photography in in an elopement where it's outdoors. You know, yeah, yeah, um, because generally, like the couples. Uh, because because I'm kind of more like uh, introverted, like um, like usually prefer like smaller group interactions, this sort of stuff, and I love to be outdoors. I find that the couples like are exactly the same as that. Like so, we get on really well together. Um, usually, the the landscape plays such an important role because that's physically like where they're getting married. Like they've chosen that location, they've chosen Scotland over any country in the world. They've chosen then maybe Alaskai, um, and then a specific spot in Alaskai, uh, usually the Kerrang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, because they want they want because they feel like an emotional attachment to this place, and so the landscape plays an important role because, um, you know, on the day itself they want to. Uh, well, let's say let's wind it back a bit. Like in five or ten years, they want to look at their photos again and they want to feel the location again they want to feel like what it was in the day maybe it was raining maybe it was like crunchy kind of it was autumn so it was kind of crunchy ferns under their foot maybe they maybe it was like um a bird circling above them it was the it was the it was physically what they're seeing you know and feeling and so in order to portray that like you need to um obviously photograph the couple in kind of the main parts of of of, of their day but also you need to like I guess it's like B-roll for photography. You need to kind of always put in like the, the feeling of the day, mm-hmm. you know, time of day. All, I, all I'm thinking of when I'm doing photography is what time of day is it? What season is it? Um, what's happening today? Is there anything unique? Um, what, what, what are they going to see that they'll want to remember? You know, so it's views and stuff like that. So I'm always trying to photograph all those things on the day so that in the end, it's got this kind of um, cinematic look, look about it. Mm-hmm. And I'd always been like into cinema when I was a kid, like I would get birthday money, like 20 quid or something. And I would get like HMV, five DVDs for 20 quid or something yeah. like that. <laughs> then I'd go home and I'd watch like all five of them and then I'd like do the same thing again next year. So I'd, I'd, I literally had hundreds of DVDs uh-huh. and I was also a little bit reclusive. So, so I, was, I was watching like films a lot, you know, and then kind of through my 20s, I'd, you know, you get a job and the kind of the creative, like uh, artistic side to me kind of got abandoned, you know, until I picked up the camera again. So for me, it was like a learning, a learning process of like, um, obviously when you start with photography, start with videography, you don't really know like what style you want to do. So you kind of, you just try stuff and you see what you take to naturally. You see what you're inspired by. You try to, you know, uh, see if you can create something similar and like, would that feel look, would that feel natural to you? Um, and for me, like I always try to, uh, I'm like on the day itself, I'm usually kind of rushing around like a lot. I run around, I run up hills, down hills. I'm kind of like a rapid, sporadic shooter. So for me, the kind of cinematic like feel is is it really works for me because um, I'm shooting a lot of frames. I'm shooting like um, a lot of like stuff that they're seeing. I'm getting all the angles. Like I'm blurring. I'm I'm like dragging the shutter a little bit sometimes. Mm. And so like over the course of a gallery, it usually like ends up looking that way. And obviously, the landscape itself plays a huge part. In, in giving that look, you know, because it, it's a very cinematic landscape that we're shooting in, so it has that feeling yeah. already about it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But the kind of vibe that I really want to kind of portray is, um, is the, 
it, it, something that aligns with why couples want to choose this way to get married, which is um, it's uh, it's intimate, like it's emotional, mm. it's like really soulful too. You know, there's there's a there's a usually a really kind of strong emotional presence in an elopement that I didn't get when I was at a big wedding. Yeah. Usually maybe because there's so many people there and usually it's a registrar and it's like a 10-minute 10, 10 ceremony. Whereas here you get like humanist ceremonies or interfaith ceremonies that are like deeply like emotional, you know, and draw like upon the couple. So there's a there's a there's an almost like um like a ritualistic kind of thing happening there. Mm -hmm. Um that's like that's strong. That's why I chose to elope too. Um so that's kind of what I'm trying to portray in the photography, but you know, I don't say I don't think I'm there yet. But um Will I ever get there? Probably not, to be honest with you. But I'm always trying to chase. You know, you always have to have something to chase. Yeah. And I think the the journey is is if you always if you think at some point I'm there now, then you you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. there's always something you can learn um, mm -hmm. along the way. So it's kind of always what I'm trying to do. And sometimes I hit the mark. Sometimes I I think oh, I'm doing great now. But I think sometimes as creatives too, we get this like imposter syndrome, don't we? Where oh, um, we see some All great photography and we're like, oh, like, oh, see some great videography and we're like, oh, may as well sell the camera now. Like, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you or, know, and, or, and I think for, regardless of. <laughs> so I was just going to say, or for me, it's just like, Greg, I want to buy what he's got. I want to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, part of, um, you know, I know you're going to ask the question later on, but part of what I would if I was going to go back to 2019 now, 2020, part of what I would do is um, try to uh, limit what I'm seeing in terms of inspiration to things that like actually inspire me. And if something is going to get me down or put a negative thought in my head, like get rid of it, like don't look at it. Yeah. Because um, it's so easy, like even now, like look at some photographers and I'm like, geez, like if only I could be that good, you know. And, you know, but at the same time, like I'm sure they look at other people's work and think the same thing. And I, and I know mm -hmm. from speaking to photographers who I admire that they have, definitely have these thoughts. Mm -hmm. So that kind of puts my mind at ease a little bit. But yeah. maybe it's just like a creative industry thing where like you get these peaks and troughs and you're busy, you're shooting all the time, like your creative energy is kind of burning out and then you'll get it again, you know, and you'll feel great. Yeah, and uh, having more of like an awareness of, of that that it's going to go that way, you know, up and down all the time, mm -hmm. um, is 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 kind of comforting. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I'm with you on that one. Um, I do want to get onto something that's a little bit more practical with your work, and maybe something that kind of puts people off from shooting. Um, especially those who come from like a drier climate, like when they come here, they're just like, oh my God, the fucking rain is crazy. What's going on? <laughs> so like what, what gear, like what's in your extremely, extremely old, you should probably get a new camera bag, camera bag. What, what, what's in it? What kit are you taking to hey, analog? Don't diss the camera bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it has lasted all this many, all these many years, yeah. I suppose. You're absolutely right. Well, uh, what I, I keep it so simple. I've literally got two cameras and two lenses. Um, I shoot. Um, so th this is like my entire gear. I've got. Um, uh, I had the Nikon right because I got it from my dad. But mm -hmm. then when I needed to do weddings, I realised I needed like two cameras. And then I was at the precipice of like, do I buy another Nikon or do I get like just a full mirrorless kit? Um, so I retired the Nikon because it was like missing focus and stuff like that. Oh. I just kind of left it. Um, although it's a perfectly good camera, like you definitely still shoot on two of those today, and it would like be perfect. Um, I've got a Sony A7 III and a Sony A7 IV, 
and I've got a backup Sony A7 III, which broke, which is why I've got the A7 IV. Oh, yeah, um, okay. So I've got the A7 III fixed. So I carry three just in case one breaks on a day and I've got a backup camera. Yeah. Um, and I've got a 35mm prime lens and a 85 prime lens, and that's all I own. Um, yeah, okay. Now I've got well, I've got also two ProMist filters, which are like one-eighth strength. Yeah, okay, cool. That's it. Um, yeah, that's all I've always thought about getting like a 24 or 105 like lens. I, I think I'd really benefit from those. But to be honest with you... Um, like I would, I would definitely, if I had more options in my bag, I would just be changing lenses all day and I'd miss shots. I can just see it happening. Yeah. So yeah. I try to simplify the process as much as I can. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, as soon as we started to simplify things, life just became a whole lot brighter. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on, on doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any like tricks that you use to like, or do you have any worries about the water sealing of those cameras when you're in that torrential sky rain? Do you have any tricks to keep them dry, but then also be ready for the shot? Um, to be honest with you, um, I've never done anything to try and protect them from the rain. Like okay. um, I've seen people put like shower caps over them and like yeah. plastic bags and stuff like this. But I just kind of fully trust that they do what they say, which is like they should be weather sealed. Um, I've been in like torrential rain and I don't have like a long coat. I think if I had a long coat, I could put it like over, the, over my strap and they would be protected like on the sides. But... I never do that. Like I'm usually absolutely soaked. Um, the cameras are soaking wet to the point where like the like the LCD doesn't work anymore. Like it, it thinks you know, and the water gets on the sensor. It thinks yeah, that you're looking yeah. through the yeah. So it, it, so I just have to. Oh no, oh no, it doesn't work looking through. So I've always got to use the LCD but pull it out. Yeah. Like it's just like very uh, sketchy kind of stuff. But uh, <laughs> but I I just pretty much let them get like get let them get wet to be honest with you like that's mm. that's that's what i do um i don't have any kind of tricks i'd say but where i can i kind of like dry it off a little bit but usually here like it's draining for a little bit and then it's kind of dry again it's rare that i've been out like in torrential torrential rain the entire day yeah um but we... one time uh that's how t well two of my cameras broke like <laughs> in spring this year and i think they both got liquid damage right all right, so, so maybe you should protect your cameras. That's now what you're admitting here. Yeah, I think what it was, you know, the little uh, hot shoe protector. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. On the Sony, like I didn't realize it wasn't on there. Like it just, so I think the pins got like corroded and stuff like that. Oh, shit, yeah. yeah. I heard yeah. that is a big issue. Like, you, it normally comes with that that little plastic cap that you kind of slot yeah. in to keep it kind of yeah. kind of safe. But I, I don't know. I've, I've never really. It's just a yeah. tiny little bit of plastic. There's no rubber to it, so yeah. I don't know. But. Yeah. Um, we've, I've, I've we've, through, we've been through all different variations of putting the protective covers on them when you're standing in the rain. Yeah, but yeah. we kind of just go with it now. And similar to you, we don't do too much to protect them. Yeah. So you yeah. do have like a long coat that you tend to wear. I do. And so, if it gets so really, really bad, you'll. Yeah. I, I, I shoot because obviously, like with a, with photography, you can kind of take a shot and put it under your coat. Yeah. Whereas our cameras need to be continuously rolling and for a, have ceremony, a, yeah. for a ceremony and have it like a constant good shot. Oh yeah. Um, so there's the kind of like because I shoot kind of handheld now. I'm just like coat over onto my bag like this. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> very uncomfortable. Um, but you know, for the shot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's hard for a videographer in the rain. Like when I worked with videographers, like the the level of uh, you know, I can you, as photography, just pick it up and just press the button. Like you've got to like set it up tripod. Like is it like, level? Like 
zoom is a stable like is it the right kind of settings go and then you've got to do like a second shot or like a or like a moving shot yeah. as well and i'm just like i just kind of in my head like understand how you manage to do all this stuff you know that's not even the worst thing about it the worst thing is while you're setting those things up you know in the back of your mind that everyone's looking at you and they're waiting <laughs> keeping people waiting is though like when I'm setting yeah. stuff up that's always in the back of my head and I'm just so like I'm really sorry this is taking so long I'm, I'm really sorry like pulling out the tripod getting the bubble right yeah. like you get, oh to, you, get this, you get to the ceremony spot and it's like right everybody ready so, wait, wait one minute we need to set this one up and then get ready over here yeah okay, then, okay now we're ready Greg have you switched on all the mics have you done that have they got, have they got the windshields on meanwhile <laughs> meanwhile yeah. the photographers just Snapping out a few shots. Yeah, having some banter yeah. with the couple, probably yeah. under the bus. Like, look at these bastards. Like, they're, you're in the rain. Like, oh, honestly. Are you always shooting together? Yeah. You're, always there. you're both always there on the day. There's always two of us, yeah. Oh, yeah, good, there's okay. always two of us. Usually it's Greg and I. If uh, Yeah, but sometimes we are double booked. Like, you know, when COVID yeah. things happened and moved forward, then we had to separate her. Sometimes okay. Greg will just go to France for two weeks. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Never going to let that one down, Greg. Uh, <laughs> anyway. When when it comes to, like, uh, planning locations with a couple, do you, like, you said you have a few calls with them beforehand. Are you sort of yeah. discussing, like, maybe fitness levels and stuff? Because some, some spots in Sky you can mm. commit to, like, a good two, three-hour hike to get to them. Yeah. Yeah. So... Like- is there some of that taken into fact when you're sort of planning locations? Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of the, um, especially if they've got like family or like a few guests coming along. Yeah. Who've like made the trip. Um, I'll definitely like setting expectations is like a huge one because, like you say, you could get caught out in rain. Like it could be really cold, and obviously they're gonna usually be wearing like uh, clothing that's not ideal for these kind of situations, yeah. like dress, you know. <laughs> yeah bare arms this sort of stuff so um when it comes to like location scouting usually i'll like they'll i'll give like a list of like cool places that i like depending on the the amount of time they've booked and what i think is like reasonable to be traveling we don't want to be in the car all day you know so mm. we don't want to travel like north to the south of sky for example on a one day if they've got like six hours with me because that's like two hours in the car mm. um but i do like um give uh like ideas for locations and usually the locations, to be honest, are like five, ten minute walk from the car. Like that's more often than not where I am, unless it's like the old manor store where yeah. it's pretty straight uphill, like for yeah. 45 minutes. Um, and if they're bringing guests, uh, it's usually not an issue with a couple because if they say the old manor store, like they're usually aware that like you have to walk up to the top of the old manor store. Yeah. And like um, I tell them usually like it's a strenuous uphill walk. Um, and... For, for, for things like ceremonies where you've got like guests, I always mention, um, does anyone in your party like have accessibility needs? Um, do they have the required fitness? Um, also, are they going to like enjoy doing that? Like you, they, you might, they might say, oh yeah, they can do it. We'll make them do it. But like at the end of the day, like um, everyone needs to have a good experience on the day. Yeah. And yeah. the worst thing the couple wants is someone like kind of not being happy that they're being made to walk, you know, because they're not going to enjoy view- seeing that, are they? Yeah. Um, so f- fitness levels like it should come up um i've definitely had to like kind of back out of going up to the old man store before like with a couple when it's been like maybe too much um and then we just go somewhere else you know there's loads of places to go to mm. um but yeah i usually try to pick like ceremony spots that are pretty close to the car because we don't if, if we've got guests we don't it's not too much walking for them um we can get back to the car nice and easy mm. um 
also like rec- recommend kind of what to wear. Yeah, uh, give them like tips and tricks for like what they can be wearing to keep themselves warm and dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure they've got like sturdy footwear because um, we've probably had it before where like you know you've probably been on in the Highlands and elopement and the guest has come along with like stilettos or something like that <laughs> and you're like there's just no way that's going to work yeah. or, 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 like, the, or got, the groom has got like super flat shoes yeah and they're just yeah, sliding they, all over the place <laughs> I'm like dude this is yeah yeah that happened the other day and, and I was like no like you're going to like literally, literally like slide on that Kerrang hill yeah. yeah right and he was like oh like I've got boots and I'll like change at the top and I was like oh that's better yeah, yeah. do that yeah yeah because um, you know the last thing we want is someone like with mud all down their dress or like um, injured you know which is a big thing yeah. you know we don't want any injuries yeah. people think mm. oh we're just going like it's five minutes from the car whatever like you won't you know you won't get injured but it's very uneven you know it's easy to turn an ankle stuff mm. like this so um, I feel like because we're kind of like local and uh, kind of leading the day you know an elopement we're kind of like in charge almost if like we've, we've picked the spots for them all that sort of stuff and we're kind of guiding them along that way that we have kind of a duty to make sure that they're okay yeah, um, but at the same time, you know, not kind of, uh, toe, you know, toe that line, you know, you've got to toe that line yeah. where you're kind of like not kind of uh, telling them what to do, but you're kind of like gently suggesting things and making sure that the expe- expectation is met. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Um, when I was going through your website and uh, all your social media, the the term storyteller came up. Storyteller, yeah. Anyway, there was a there was definitely a, a narrative push in the way that you describe the way that you tell people's stories. How do you tell people's stories? You, not even uniquely every time, but like, what what is your process in coming up with a kind of narrative flow in like a gallery? Yeah. Well, the the first the 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 best thing. Um, the most important thing is um, gaining the trust of the couple and making sure like you you know who they are mm-hmm. um, it sounds like quite silly but <laughs> like you, you need to know who they are like what are their hobbies like uh, why do they love each other like why are they drawn to this location um, like uh, what do they want from their day like what kind of what are they hoping to get you know from you and what they're hoping to see in their gallery. And these are things that I ask in the like, initial questionnaire I send out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if there are photographers like kind of listening who don't send like a questionnaire, just kind of like take a book and, and stuff like that. Like a questionnaire is so useful. Like you could just make one, like 10 minutes might take, but it gives you so much valuable information, you know? Because if you meet the couple on Zoom, you go like, oh, like I really know them, but suddenly like a year and a half later, you've shot like 20, 30, 40 other couples. Mm-hmm. Like your memory will start to like, you maybe, th- you maybe think, oh, I'd, like, I don't remember like what, what like who they are, what's their story. You can always just like go in your like software, like I use Studio Ninja, so go in there, um, look at the questionnaire again, like look through past emails that were sent each other and just kind of get a sense of who they are and, and why they're there and what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, and then that puts you in like a really good position when you meet them on the day because you, you know who they are, you know like why they're there, yep. uh, you know what they're after um, and you know if there are any limitations. I always tell, I always ask couples, um, like, what do you not want photographed? You know, what do you, obviously, they probably know what they're going to get photographed because they've seen, like, example galleries I've sent. Um, they've seen your work. They kind of booked you for a reason, you know, they kind of want mm-hmm. that. But also, some couples might not be, like, comfortable with certain stuff. So you've got to kind of uh, flex, have a flexible approach with every couple. Yep. Some couples don't, uh, aren't kind of too 
comfortable with always being like cozy with each other. Okay. You know, if like sitting together, hugging, holding hands, maybe couples, you know, perfectly fine. Some couples don't show love that way. Like mm-hmm. um, they have different kind of love languages, you know, that they kind of yeah. go for. Um, and so having a flexible approach where you can like turn on and tune into the couple um, kind of quickly um, is kind of a skill that takes a little bit of practice mm. and uh, still kind of working out myself. But um, I think that's kind of initially how I kind of set it up. But then on the day, I always think um, of like watching a film. Um, if I'm watching a film, um, like there's a story going on, there's a script that's been written and uh, and the flow of that story is being written for a particular reason. Like the the scene has been set, you know, the kind of standard flow, the scene has been set, we introduce a protagonist and then they have an issue that needs to be overcome. They overcome the issue, then there's a... A red herring gets thrown in. Like there is a flow and there's a kind of up and down and emotion as you go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I think about photographing an elopement, although you could say on the surface like they're all the same because couples are in the same place usually. They're all getting married. You know, they, they're all kind of in love and they're all going on this adventure, these locations. So there's, but the, the kind of, the nuances between the couple are what like differentiates all of that. So part of it is um, like I really like to play with like light and shadow in the in the prep. Yeah. Um, I really like to kind of um, work with that. I think it set it sets a scene of kind of mystery. Um, it 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 kind of there is something like you can say like when you when you're scrolling through you see like landscape like kind of dark like uh, shots maybe like uh, you know mirror reflections of getting ready. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a tone that is set. Uh, there, so you can kind of set the scene nicely, and then throughout the whole day, um, usually I'll kind of, you know, we're going for like more of an adventurous feel. Let's say at the Kerrang. So where there is a where there is like a wide epic landscape, I'm usually getting like adventure shots. Like they're running, um, there is like you know, B-roll being shot of like ferns that they're running through, stuff like that, hills in the background, um, cr- creating a sense of excitement. You know, when we're although we're kind of capturing their day, I feel like if you think like a cinematographer or like a director, yeah, like you 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 absolutely can like set up a scene like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of one of the things that I've I learned like recently or maybe like last year or something like that is not being afraid to kind of really tell your couple like what you want from them. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a vision, like they're running through, they're holding hands, they're looking up, maybe they're looking around. Like you can like definitely tell them to do that. You can like direct your couple that way. Yeah. Um, whereas I think previously, like maybe a couple of years ago, I was shooting quite like passively. I was just kind of like getting them in there and just kind of photographing them walking around. Yeah. Okay. Whereas like the kind of um, the emotional kind of the change and the flip happened when I started to. Uh, well, actually, I had a mentor session with Nina and Derek. I'm not sure if you know Nina and Derek. Nina and Derek. You should get them on your podcast. They're really cool. They're from Poland. All right. They um. They gave me some tips on, this was like January last year, I had a mentor session with them. Uh-huh. Um, they gave me some tips on like perspective, like shooting like a, cin- like a cinematographer, like what they think about in their shots, which is quite cin- it's quite fil- like cinematic, the, the shots. Uh-huh. Um, and that's where I really try to like tune into applying that to my work. What, how can I make things different? So um, 
throughout the whole day. Yes, that's kind of what I'm looking at. I'm thinking, you know, where we're in like somewhere like the Fairy Glen or we're in somewhere that's more intimate, like a woodland. I'm trying to create a sense of, well, what does the woodland feel like to them? It feels cosy, intimate, romantic. So I get them into cosy, intimate, romantic poses and get like like nice cosy shots of them. Mm-hmm. But then when we're in, we're in somewhere more open, it's more like epic, it's more like wild, free, that sort of stuff. So in the moment, like you might not feel like you're shooting that way, but as you've called your gallery and you've kind of like started to put it together, uh, there will be like a narrative that unfolds. Um, and also like you can't force it to, like um, you might have this amazing idea, like it's going to look this way, but mm-hmm. like, it might not turn out that way. It might not turn out, you know, how you want it to, but like, that's just how it goes, you know, and, and yeah. we can't force the moment, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of how I, how I think about it. Um, and sometimes it like really pays off sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, it's not kind of gone the way I've planned, but you mm-hmm. know, they're still kind of got the images that they wanted, which is ultimately what, what they kind of want from us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as a, as a kind of, like creative, you always have this kind of like thing that you want to pursue uh, for you for yourself. You know, you, this this kind of um, this kind of uh, itch, creative itch that you, you want to kind of get to. Um, and for me, that's kind of that cinematic style. So I'm always trying to like get there, and uh, you know, ups and downs the whole way. But mm. um, you know, as long as you're chasing that, you're going to improve and you're going to get better, and you'll you will like eventually kind of get there. Yeah. What What about like the documentary part of the day where the ceremony, like how, how do you approach that part of the day? Cause it's obviously not as much directing from yourself. Like mm. usually in elopement, you get the freedom to guide the celebrant on where to stand and the couple where to stand. Yeah. But after that, it's just mainly documenting. So how do you approach that part of the day? That's, um, yeah, you're right. You can't really, at some point, you just kind of the, the kind of press the play button and you just kind of kind of go with it, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, the the way that I do that is there are shots that I want to get, you know, so a lot of it's the kind of shots that you're choosing to take. Obviously, you got like wide shot, close shot, like if there's like a vow, um, reading, uh, the, a lot of the times, the way that I see it is uh, on, on a ceremony is the kind of shots that you take and the perspective that you're showing. Mm-hmm. It's all about perspective because the, you're talking about one person in front of another, kind of saying something kind of deeply personal. Mm-hmm. So where there's like vows being read, I'm shooting over the shoulder of the person who's receiving those vows or maybe the person who's reading them so that when they look at it or look at that photo, they can have like a first person view of that scene of like what they saw with their own eyes. Yeah, And I feel like um, especially during a ceremony where they're going to have such an emotional attachment to that moment, that's the moment that I remember the most from our whole day um, is kind of like what I felt, the wind, what I saw. And the photos that, that we got are like, they definitely show that. Um, so I'm photographing obviously wide shots, like um, dress blown in the wind, uh, shoes in the grass, um, maybe like uh, over the shoulder, mountain, a river, a bird, a bird flying above them, mm. um, the, the kind of the hand fasten, ribbon floating in the wind, like this sort of stuff. Like uh, maybe uh, they're nervous, they've got their hands gripped tightly at their waist. Like I'm photographing those hands gripped. So you, you kind of just gotta, it's kind of nice cause you can be so free with it. Mm. And uh, if you don't ever, if you, you know, if you take a shot and you don't want to show it, you just don't show it. So there's no kind of loss there, you know? Mm. Um, but that's kind of what I'm thinking about is uh, the kind of perspective that I'm shooting at. And also like the, 
the in, like the nuances, the kind of B-roll type stuff um, that 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 builds that moment. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me of now. I can't remember who gave this advice to me a while ago, and it's not advice I took, but it was still given. It n- n- nevertheless, it was um, <clears throat> when when the person was shooting. It was to take. Uh, so say when I when I'm when I'm when I have a couple in front of me and they're having the ceremony and they're doing their vow readings. For me, I want to be capturing what the person is saying when it's being said. The advice given to me was actually if you flip that around, you should probably capture the reaction to what is being said. Um, and mm. it kind of just reminds me of, of, of that, think, uh, of what you said. But I think it differs for photo and video, though. Because for video, you usually, mm. if you've got like a minute-long vow to not see those that person's lips moving mm. would be a wee bit jarring. Yeah. Whereas for photo, you want taking a photo of someone talking sometimes can't work out well. So mm-hmm. yep. you True. want that reaction mm. of somebody getting a bit teary eyed. Yeah. And I ideally, it differs. but ideally you'd want both. And there's just, there's always two of us. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes, I don't know. Sometimes I just like the over the shoulder, someone speaking to someone. Because it, yeah. it, it, I feel like it edits quite well, yeah. rather than just a side-on shot of someone reading, and then the the what I would consider the nicer shot to be of our reaction. But I don't know. Each their own. Yeah. I, I can definitely. <laughs> I, I can definitely yeah, get it. Yeah, I can get how it's harder in video to do that because you're right. You you don't want to photograph thirty seconds of the wrong person saying. They're not saying anything. Yeah. But equally, they might have a really cool reaction uh, yeah. that you've missed. But yes. you need to kind of. Just like make a decision and stick with it. I know. Whereas we can just float around, get all the reactions, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And usually, if you're a video, you're just you're like, okay, I've made the decision, and you just you almost can't doubt yourself because if you start doubting, you're like you start moving yourself. Yeah. And so yeah. the shot that you should be holding is suddenly your your mind's off topic. You're you're elsewhere. You're trying to think I should be over there, and you're trying to figure out like what like you're you're looking around to see <laughs> if I can like jump around Greg. Do I have enough time to get around the other side of this person? And then you're like, no, I need to hold on. Plus, the moment's happening. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't become a part of the moment. So just you yeah. made your decision. You that's it. You suffer the decision you've made. You've made your bed. You're lying. It. Um. I think the 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 biggest thing that I because um, <clears throat> I used to struggle during the ceremony and like that I I couldn't uh, dictate anything. You, uh-huh. You're right. You can you can kind of um, position them so that the light hits them on the side, so they're not squinting in the sun. If the light comes out the cloud, sun comes out the clouds, all that sort of stuff. Mm. So you can kind of set up the scene so that the that it works nicely in a visual yeah. in a visual way. Um, but the, that's where you can kind of, if you've ever done big weddings, you can kind of lean on that kind of just like, just watch, just, uh, just the, there's, a, um, I can't remember who it was. It might be like Daniel O'Day. I think he's a photographer, Daniel yep. Day. He's an Australian I photographer. Day, yep. I th- I'm sure it was him who said that when he turns up to prep, sometimes in the middle of prep, he'll sit down for 20 minutes, put his camera away, and he'll just like watch people and he'll just see like what's going on. Yeah. Um, so he's not losing himself behind the camera. He'll just like watch, and then after twenty minutes, he'll go, "All right, yeah, that's what's going on. There's something cool happening here," yeah. and then he'll get his camera again. So I think you can just take time, like two, three minutes, and just kind of put your camera down, just like observe what you're seeing. Yeah. 
and uh, things will catch your eye. And the, and especially if you're like leaning into a storytelling, ultimately that's what we're kind of doing, telling telling their story. Um, when you when I watch films, you know, there's a scene, two people talking. Um, what other shots has the cinematographer or the director cho- chosen to show in that scene? And uh, you know, maybe that's something that I could build into to the gallery when I'm photographing mm-hmm. uh, a wedding. Um, because you want to kind of build up a sense of feeling and a sense of anticipation, and you want to them to refeel those feelings. You know, that's that's ultimately what the, what you kind of want at the end of the day yeah. is that they kind of have an emotional reaction to the photos, um, which they're going to have anyway. It's their wedding day, but if you can kind of really like observe that, you know, and really kind of um, deliver, um, like I just think to the photos that we got because we had Sean Bell, yeah, uh, Sean um, Bell, and uh, yeah, what a man. <laughs> I know, I know. So he he's like so good at this, you know, like he'll catch um, moments and things that are happening that maybe like you just you just like wouldn't see, wouldn't notice, you know. Mm. And especially in a, I, I can definitely attest to this in our elopement, like when you're stood facing each other and you're saying your vows, like there is a half meter bubble around you. And I, I, I don't remember seeing or hearing anyone apart from Selbrant. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I don't remember if, like, the wind, the noise, I just remember seeing my wife, what she was saying. I don't remember the views. I don't remember what was happening. I don't remember what I was doing. So this is where like, uh, where our job is to fill in those gaps yeah. so that we get to show people what was happening that they didn't notice was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and uh, kind of it's nice that way, you know, because you can kind of show, like at a big wedding, you know, you can show like things that happen on the wedding day when the couple are in a completely different room. They were like, oh, I didn't know that was happening. That was so cool. Like th- these kind of things, you know. So yeah. trying to think, always trying to think that way. Mm. Is there any particular uh, like standout moment that you've ever had, like doing your job, being in front of people who are having this amazing moment? Like is, do, you, do you have any like, recollections of like something like a moment that's really stood out to you Oof. um like throughout the whole day yeah like some some like I'll, I'll i'll tell you one moment and actually it wasn't even my moment it came came from another it came from my second shooter you shooting the vows and i just he he panned the camera down and there's this little robin on the ground just ditting around. And he pulled back up to the bride, giving the vows. And I quite like the fact that he kind of drew the... T- like it, Obviously, for the vows, you'd think, hold the shot. But he actually kind of drifted off down to this little bird <laughs> and then drifted back up. Not a moment that I was a part of, of course. Of course. Um, but I'll always remember that moment in the yeah. edit. Mm. Um, but yeah, do you have but, any moments like that? Yeah, when you've mentioned the bird thing... Um, there, there are more. There was a moment two weeks ago at a ceremony. Um, had this lovely couple, um, Steph and uh, Jenny, and um, they were like big into Florence and the Machine, like, okay. mm-hmm. and big into um, well, one of them at least was big into like nature. Was like a volunteer outdoors. Um, loved to come to Sky because there were like birds of prey everywhere. Oh yeah. Um, and she'd mentioned like the ravens on the way through the through the drive to the ceremony spot mm-hmm. um, and through the ceremony they kind of stood looking at each other and uh, I'm kind of shooting low like up because I, I, I tend to like to shoot from a low angle when I can mm-hmm. um, 
the I noticed like two birds circling, like literally above them. And as I'm like shooting the birds, they turn to look up at the birds. And uh, they, had, they had mentioned something in the ceremony about ravens. And then they look above them, there's like literally two ravens like flying. Oh. You know? And I saw like this kind of symbolism mm. of this important moment and these two birds, um, which, you know, it's not a rare thing on Sky, but just so happened to be kind of circling above them at that, top, that moment in time. Yeah. There was something kind of like uh, quite deeply spiritual about it and something mm. like, um, like, yeah, it was kind of awe inspiring really like to, to kind of not kind of see that so yeah. I kind of took that shot and I think you know if, if those are the kind of things that they're really going to kind of stick in their head you know that that kind of you know it's not going to be the you know the most the best composed shot in the world or kind of like the your, your most celebrated shot that you might take but for them it might be like the one of the best shots of the, of the whole gallery for them yeah 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 I love yeah I see uh, I, I love moments like that yeah. birds man they know <laughs> I know. Even though some people... Sheep too, lots of sheep. Lots of, there's yeah. lots of sheep. <laughs> hey, I'm Ashley from With Jack. I'm one of the sponsors of the Perspective podcast. With Jack helps to keep photographers in business by supporting them financially and legally if they have problems with a client or they make a mistake in their work. We've all had that fear of our CF card or our hard drive failing and losing important photos. You can find out more at withjack.co.uk. Head over there and find out how we can help you be a confident creative. So on the last episode of the podcast, which uh, went really well, it was a really good episode. It was our 100th episode of the podcast. Oh, congrats. Um, thank you. Uh, Ryan from Forged in, North, Forged in the North was talking about uh, giving your couple a really strong experience, you mm. know, and for us, that that's also really important, like almost secondary to you know, like the experience part is almost the primary aspect of what you build from to make a good film. Yeah. I find like even, even the, the final product comes second to their experience of the day. Um, yeah. How, how do you ensure, well, one, do you think that's the case? I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely how, like above the, above, and uh, actually, the 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 going way back to when we were talking about that videography shoot that I did, now was with Paul Santos. Yes, I think online he's Paolo Santos. If you were going to Google him, um, he he gave me some advice on the day. Or, or uh-huh. I remember the couple actually on the day. This was not even like this was before the ceremony. He'd literally been there like two hours, and the bride turns around to him, and she was so stressed, and he'd been taking portraits and stuff like that. And she says, "You know what? Like, I don't even care." if you lose these photos, if they're like, I don't care what you're going to deliver to us. Like you, it's been amazing to have you with us today and mm. I couldn't have wished for anyone better. Yeah. And I was just thinking, that's what sticks in my head to this day. And it just proves, uh, that proved to me that the experience definitely is worth more to the couple than the actual, the actual product. Yeah. Um, mm. Because, you know, he made her feel comfortable. He was, you know, um, given her space when she needed it, th- this sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd I'd hundred percent agree with that. Mm. Yeah. So so how do you how do you go ahead and keep that experience going? N- not, I mean, like, 
because obviously you can recreate their trip to sky or whatever but is there any way of you know delivering a final product that you have put extra effort into like sparking a sense of that experience again do you know what i mean like on the day how do you make sure they have the best day not on the day, like after. Like, how do you oh, okay. how do you keep that experience lingering in their head? Oh yeah, when you yeah, deliver okay. their final products. Okay, yeah. Um, so the I try to de- deliver previews within like twenty four hours if I can. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is like um, I I think anyway, like in my head, because in elopements we've generally got people who are on a trip. They're not. Um, going you know like back to their house at the end of the day or something like that usually mm-hmm. they kind of come come far around the world they you know they're in they're in sky maybe they're in there a couple of days um i'd think like well whilst they're still in that like cozy honeymoon excited phase i want to deliver some like shots to them mm-hmm. you know some some like uh, i feel like that's that's when they're, they're they're still emotionally like so strongly attached to the day they're like on a high you know and i think that if I delivered some photos, like some 20, 30 sneak peek previews, doesn't have to be much um, from the day. It gets them some like to like relive that day again, mm-hmm. you know, because I think if you have such a big day, there's almost like a come down from it, isn't there? Like the next day <laughs> yeah. where like you could get this sense of, um, you know, when you buy a product, uh, there's, there's things, you know, you, you, let's say you want a new gear, you buy a new gear, and the next day you feel like, oh, it didn't give me what it what I thought. Like, I feel like I need something more again. You know, this kind of buyer's remorse thing. Yeah. Um, if you're able to kind of deliver something straight away, it could be, you know, two, three days. It doesn't have to be like, you know, like 24 hours. I don't always do that. Um, but I try to deliver as fast as I can some photos for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I deliver like, uh, uh, I send like a, a message, like a really long message, usually about like what, like it was so nice to kind of be with them on the day. Thanks for choosing me. The, th- the standard things that you you say, but then I try to like um, also write something like personal to them, like mm-hmm. about their connection with each other, like what I can what I can sense about them as a couple. And I feel like that together with the photos is something that like initially you can do that su- super easy mm-hmm. from their experience to to kind of um, keep that day alive in their head. And yeah. obviously then they're excited to share with friends and family. And if it's a secret, they can um, surprise people. And yeah. so you can kind of like spark a lot from, from doing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, and then obviously after that, um, they're kind of waiting for the full gallery. And mm-hmm. usually that's, you know, I'm not kind of emailing them all the time or anything like that, but um, I try to deliver the gallery as quickly as I can, but it's usually mm-hmm. like six, six, eight weeks, you know, especially in the busy period. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah, that's kind of initially what I do. I think that's kind of like a, a nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of photographers do that, to be honest, like 24 hours, three days, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, I get that not everyone can do that, you know, especially if you're like traveling, you've got multiple shoots, it's not possible. But mm. um, just delivering like something, it could be one photo, you know, if you've got time to just like send them a wide shot of the ceremony or something like that, like that's something that they're going to like um, really hold on to. Mm. Um, I also toyed, toyed with the idea of, because um, a couple of, a couple of couples have brought along uh, this kind of Polaroid camera right. oh, yeah, on the day okay. and have like given it to me to like take some shots. Uh-huh. And at the end of the day, like you physically deliver like ten Polaroid images to them. Like they physically got something they can like look at, mm-hmm. you know, straight away. 
So I've toyed with the idea of like buying something like that to take it to elopements and I can like like literally at the end of the day it gives some photos straight away. Yeah. Um something like kind of nostalgic about it and kind of romantic, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. You can I mean Polaroid have just released an, like one of their what what model of Polaroid camera was it? But it's like the first Polaroid camera that they've released in years. Yeah. Uh can't remember the name of it. Terrible. But uh, I just thought, oh, r- really interesting getting that nostalgia. They are getting the nostalgia back and yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. It's uh, it's cool. But well, so the reason I asked that and I butchered the question. I do apologize. Uh, I really <laughs> I need to learn so how to, I need to learn how to ask a good <laughs> question. Uh, who gave me a podcast? I don't know. Uh, but it's because we we give uh, whiskey in our box when, when when we deliver, and obviously it's cool on the day when you give a gift. But obviously whiskey can last a long time. So when they get their film, few you know a few months down the line, they've got this whiskey that we've given them. Mm. So they'll they'll have that. They give this to me on the day. It's part of the day. And they can finally yeah. open it when they get their film, and it's yeah. kind of like, yeah, you're you're giving them the the sight with the visuals, you're giving them the sound with the audio that you've chosen to select in your films, and now you're giving them a taste, and hopefully, yeah. you know, if they're not from Scotland, then they'll again it'll like double back, and they'll think, oh, Scotland whiskey, it'll just be pulling on all the emotional senses to yeah. strike that balance back up, but yeah. Um, yeah, no thought about that. Like you're playing on all the senses there. Yeah. Um, the there are there are things I'd considered sending like welcome boxes, but then I was like, what happens if people don't drink? They've got like a dietary requirements. I didn't know how to kind of flirt with all that stuff. I'm sure you've had it where you've maybe sent whiskey and they've been like, I don't drink whiskey or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Some some never for like uh, I'm teetotaler or, or anything. Not okay. yet, but. Um, I don't. I don't drink whiskey. We've had that a lot. Yeah. Okay, um, but so. usually, it's a cool idea. I really like it. Yeah. yeah, I like the idea of sending something in anticipation of receiving the full gallery. Because the yeah. way I do the prints is, um, I send the gallery. I send them another email to flag ten photos that I print for them. Yeah, um, but I'm going to not let them choose now. And what I'm going to do is. Um, I've literally just started this. I've got like folio albums to kind of like um, drop ship the prints for them now because I was yep. packaging it all myself and it was taking ages. And the, the post office and poetry is open like two days a week now. Oh, I, I can't even imagine so. how much of a nightmare that would be. <laughs> so, so I was like, I just can't do this anymore. So I've yeah. got like prints like waiting to be sent. So I think what I'm going to do any, differently is I'm going to, when I've done the sneak peeks, uh, I could almost send those prints straight away so like within a couple of weeks they get like surprise prints in the, in the door they didn't even know yeah and they can like put them up around their house you know yeah so in anticipation of the gallery they can walk past them every day um and uh you know and then when they get the full gallery they're kind of excited because you've kind of teased them a little bit with like some extra photos on top of the sneak peeks yeah so i think maybe that maybe that's something that would work i love that um, idea kind of playing with it but Mm. Yeah, I think I'll I'll start to do that. Yeah, and uh, especially yeah. for like the f- the couples that are on a longer trip over to Scotland, yeah. then mm. they'll just be getting home as those prints probably arrive, no doubt. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, really and they uh, they often don't ask about it either. So I feel like sometimes they get their prints not not aware that they were going to get them. Maybe they just didn't fully know what they were paying for. Um, kind of, they're getting the prints uh, without realizing it, and it's like a nice little bonus for them. 
yeah. even though like in the contract and everything in the packages it's, it's all said that they're going to get these prints yeah um but I like the idea of I like the idea of the couples choosing them because then they don't have to kind of get their own prints like on top of what they might want to print it. Mm-hmm. But from like a business standpoint as well, like in the in the print box, you could put like coupon code for like discount on a big time store for like an album, more prints like at a reduced price. Like you can kind of um, you know add more like into the workflow that way, so that you yeah. might be able to kind of. Um, create some additional income mm-hmm. uh something i'm really really poor at. i haven't ever really pushed like people buying stuff in the in the online gallery mm-hmm. i know like some photographers are like really good at it and they've got like workflows and like they make like a lot of money through like winter through like all this stuff so yeah um that's something i like got, uh, that's like a gap in my business i think at the minute that i need to kind of look into yeah. okay okay so it sounds like you're always sort of pushing yourself to learn and improve like having started the pandemic and then jumped to about was it 20 or 30 bookings straight away from all that seo work and marketing so it seemed and then all of a sudden changing to elopements and pushing that you're always sort of working on the business as well as improving your skills like what where are you sort of marketing yourself and what are you working on just now like is it still seo with the blogging well for um it mainly is seo because the I got some really kind of helpful information from Fuel Your Photos. Have you do you know Fuel Your Photos? Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. I signed up to their Facebook group at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're the pretty much the the photographers, I think both of them are were, and uh, that's pretty much well in all the SEO stuff. So I would like, I've literally like when I when I was mentioning, I would push the girls in the boogie around the park. I would have like, I've listened to all their all their YouTube, I've listened to all their podcasts, I've read all their website. I've been in their Facebook group asking questions. I feel like um, it's really good practice to have like a good shop front. And for me, like the website is a shop front. Like that's mm. that's like always where you want people to end up. Um, and I and I know, I know photographers who actually like do really well and like don't even have a website and just do it all through Instagram and like that works for them. Yeah, and that's great. But like for me, the the website is like has to be like the best representation and ultimately where you're going to like. Um, sell yourself the best mm-hmm. so uh for, for when i started like i'd learned a lot of seo and i'd done like keyword research and i'd realized i could probably rank for these words and how much search volume is it all getting and all that sort of stuff um so i created all the blogs and then people were like uh suddenly booking from that um and uh i kind of left it a bit because i'd kind of done all the blogs that i thought i'd needed for like my um area but then suddenly I might want to target a new location or like have some destination inquiries or like do like the odd kind of bigger wedding, you know, mm-hmm. rather than just like two people all the time. Then I need to, uh, so now I'm doing keyword research so I can write some more blogs over the winter so I can start them ranking by the time, you know, January, February, March, April comes around. Yeah. Um, I do the odd, I never really did paid advertisement and I only started this year or last just because I wanted some like extra kind of eyes on the website and I, and I was just testing it out. So I do spend a little bit on advertisement and I think I probably get back what I've put into it. But um, that's mainly like SEO Google is like 95% of where everything's coming from. Yeah. And then on this year on Instagram, like I really wanted to try to work out how I could grow on Instagram, see if that would correlate to uh, like more inquiries. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put like a lot of work in, I had like a social media, um, 
person. Like I was in like a group coaching program like with this person, mm-hmm. um, and I put like a lot of work into like uh, reels and posts and like uh, analyzing like A/B testing things and checking what the audience likes and what they don't like and like analyzing other photographers like pages who've grown and uh, how they did it and uh, what did people take to. Um, so. I kind of grew my Instagram following over the last few months, but it hasn't really correlated with like an increase in bookings. Right. Um, okay. I think it's mainly like photographers following photographers. Mm. That's what I'm finding. Um, but I'm going to change that and I'm going to probably do like a lot of TikTok over the winter because um, from speaking to my friends that and from the people who follow me on TikTok, it's usually not photographers. It's usually like people. Like mm-hmm. uh, you can tell who's following you. It's like a person who potentially is going to get married. So I think that's where you can probably target like actual couples mm-hmm. or like, you know, um, bridesgrooms who are kind of uh, looking for inspiration. I think that's where it's kind of going to and, and Instagram, although I still get like inquiries through Instagram, it's not loads. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's a lot of like photographers like looking at other photographers' work. Yeah, I get that. I get yeah. that feeling as well. Um, we do have a TikTok. I think I'm following you, Pam. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but... Recently, like we don't really use it, really. We've neglected it. For we've a ne- while, we've <laughs> neglected it. We had we had one really big video that went viral uh, from Sky, and I just got lazy after that. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. But I, I have been thinking of maybe this podcast would be better as a TikTok. Yeah, just got the content straight away. Yeah, uh, plus it kind of it spreads you out a little bit more. So. Yeah, um, but it's the mar- so hard. So the market, and there are so many like pots that you can put your hands into. Uh, yeah, and uh, you need to. It's so easy to get kind of caught up in like Instagram, and be like, I need to do it, and you're like, but like, is it working? No, then what's what are you doing it for? Like, you yeah, could, you could like have written two or three blogs and like be ranking one or two on Google and have mm-hmm. like an inbox full of inquiries. Yeah, um, rather than trying to like get to some sort of metric mm. or some sort of some sort of like vanity figure. Um, and I've been caught up in that myself, like, so many times, you know. Yeah. Like, start TikTok, like, this is going great. And the month in, I'm like, I've got no time. When am I going to do these? And be like, you know what? It's okay. Like, you don't have to do these. Like, whatever works. Like, some people love it and they enjoy it. And, like, they make TikTok in, like, two minutes and then it's on straight away. Like, it takes me ages to even think about posting something on Instagram. I, like, I psych myself out. I'm like, that's oh, not good enough. I'll bin it. Whatever. I'll delete it. I'm not going to post today. <laughs> I'm the same. I always take so much time. And then I wonder, like, does everyone have to go? Like, does everyone take this long to do this? Or is it, am I just slow? Like, some people love it. And I'm trying to figure out why they love it. And I just, I don't know. Honestly, Um, some people just post. Like, they don't even care. They literally just pick a photo and post. And I'm like, that gives me, like, so much anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that does bring us on quite nicely. Uh having teased our audience for for a while, I will now start asking you about your blogs because okay. it is a really good way of marketing if you haven't already put blogs together from your website. And you have got many. Um, some include How to Elope in Scotland 2023, I Love Sky Elopement 2023, Glencoe Elopement 2023, and The Ultimate Elopement Planning Guide. First of all, in case people don't already know, why why should they bother with guides? Like, um, I've got two kinds of guides. the The planning guide is like a PDF download, like a it's called a how's it called? It's got a name. Uh, anyway, 
get onto that. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, 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 that I, down. <laughs> I do. I do have it because, like I said, I put my email address into you. So I. It's I like did. a something someone can download for free that would um, sow a seed that they might then, when they come around to planning, they would have you in mind and you've given value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole idea with. Um, like why blogging is so effective is that you can um, you can set yourself up as an expert in your field. Mm. Um, you can be the kind of uh, especially in an, an elopement where couples don't know how it works, they don't know where to go, they've never been to these places, they don't know like, what's possible. Um, you, it's an easy way to kind of build trust, mm-hmm. um, build confidence in your service, set, uh, make you the expert in your field, and also. Um, like if it's done in a way that is um, targeted to, so that you come up on Google, then um, you're going to have hundreds, if not like thousands of eyes for free uh, every month coming to your website and your page. Um, so a lot of these couples, a lot of these people might just be kind of browsing or whatever, but you know, several months down the line, they might think, oh, you know, like, hello, yeah, we should, should we plan our elopement now? Like, where should we go? Oh, I'm sure I read this guide on like someone's website about, open in Scotland. Let me try and find it again because it was really useful. Yeah, you know that's kind of a really powerful like message that you can send couples. Mm-hmm. And also during the planning process, like some of the guides I've got on my website, I haven't put them on there for like ranking on Google. It's just because lots of couples ask me the same question, like um, how do I include my friends and family in the elopement like what are things i should consider what should i tell my family yeah so i created a guide about how to do that and then now i just send a link to the couples being like here is some useful information for you yes and i think your system maybe thinks that i'm a potential client so i do apologize for that but i've not seen your email (laughs) i do have one of your because i was like what are they called and then yeah your system has been emailing me um Obviously, I've oh, been, okay, yeah. I'm not your target market, so I have been avoiding you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you've got, like, on this email, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, six or seven links to other blogs directing me right back to your website. And, yeah, eloping with families. How much does it cost to elope? Ten amazing elopement ceremony ideas. Like, this is stuff that you send. Like, they, they could just go into this and spend quite a long time on your website. Yeah, um, you can create like a, a rabbit hole of information for them, you know? Yeah. And um, the obviously the goal is you want people to inquire with you, but um, during the lockdown, like the biggest thing that I learned from uh, Jai Long is, um, I'm sure you, like, you've maybe got Jai Long on, on, online or something, on yeah. social media. We have, yeah. It's like... Um, he's, been a, he's been on the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you have to listen I'll have to, to that. To get it's good. On that. I've not seen it. Yeah. It's good. I'll it's good. Seen it. I'll have to get yeah. on it. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like um, such. He, he completely like um, had had an effect on me in that he switched my mindset around. Um, yeah. Rather than trying to like hold back information, like I try to deliver as much free information as I can, mm-hmm. put it out there. Um, I know some people think you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't like, give away all your kind of information until couples are booking. Then you help them plan and give them the information then. But in my experience like if you deliver free information all the time um give as much value as possible like you will reap the rewards yeah at some point um and that's kind of the the whole idea with the blogs Mm -hmm. is to um deliver valuable information so that people um can learn and oftentimes they'll obviously they'll go and book someone else you know because yeah not everyone on your website is going to book you 
but the, for the people who are kind of on the fence, um, you're going to keep them in your mind. And obviously the, the whole idea of people going to your website is that you can then set up a, a Facebook pixel. You can uh, do retargeting campaigns. Like what you've got there is um, an active campaign um, marketing sequence of emails that I send mm-hmm. when couples download that guide. Oh, um, yes. So you can have multiple funnels, like from people going to your website, that's why it's so powerful, mm-hmm. is that you can retarget, you can branch out in so many different ways um, to kind of keep the, keep those people coming back to your work. Yeah. Yeah. If, if cool. somebody, say there's a photographer who's also sort of new to the industry and thinking, oh, crap, I've got so much to do. I need to be blogging and funnels and this is all, it's all like daunting <laughs> How yeah. how would you recommend they start with their first blog? Like where where would be their starting point? And also, actually, do you have any advice on your experience? Like, is a blog post better than like a separate page on your website? Is there much difference? Have you noticed? So the um, all I the only information I've got is stuff I've heard from fuel your photos. So if yeah. people out there <laughs> who are looking for like the holy grail of information for this sort of stuff. They should definitely go to fuel your photos for Dylan and Corey. Um, but like from, from my personal experience, the, the, well, it's just what I did. So the first thing that I did was, um, you know, you, you want to be a photographer, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Like let's say you're in France and you want to shoot, you know, elopements in Bordeaux or something like that. Um, you need to know um, who your audience are you need to know what they're searching for and you need to know what they want and um, what their pain points are. And then you can build a website around that. So if you're starting out and you want to start blogging, the if you haven't got any blogs, you've literally just got like a website, sales page, contact page. Um, think about like, you know, where are you shooting? Um, you can uh, do keyword research. So you can Google like, for example, if you Google Scotland elopement, you'll see like, there are people in the first place. Obviously, they get loads of clicks. There are people in second place, third place. You can do research that will tell you how many clicks every month and how many searches Google is getting for these, these kind of terms every month. So you could see your potential um, audience size you know, from, from doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say you are... The, 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 the main thing that I, I did was trying to get my homepage to rank. So if you're brand new, you could probably start doing that. But then let's say you are, like, let's say in France and you want to do elopements, you could Google, you know, uh, elopement in France. Probably it's getting, like, a lot of searches. Um, and then you could create a guide, like, that would kind of uh, answer maybe, like, the best places to get married in France. The best, like, in Scotland, you could do, like, uh, the best castles to get married in, in, in Scotland. Um, the best outdoor venues in Scotland. You could do um, the top ten small wedding venues in Scotland. There are, lo- there are loads of like ways you could do this so that you could get, kind of get eyes on your stuff. Mm. Um, but it's easy to get overwhelmed too. So I would initially just kind of say like, what's the, what's the kind of main thing you're offering? Uh, what's, the one, what's the one kind of guide that you could really like look to um, market your stuff towards and kind of uh, target and then just t- t- like go ahead and start doing that and then refine it and refine it. And there's a lot of like learning that goes into SEO because it's not just about kind of creating like a guy that's got like keywords just scattered everywhere. Like you've got to like actually provide like Google with the best answer to that question. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like, um, you know, website speed has to be good. 
backlinks, like as you'll know yourselves, like there's a lot of kind of going in there. But um, that's kind of the main thing you could do. Or you could just initially start like, let's say you shot like a wedding in, I don't know where it could be, like you shot a wedding in, like say Borthwick Castle, you could just blog that, you, you know. But instead of um, doing what a lot of photographers might do or videographers, which might be just a kind of uh, Borthwick Castle wedding, little paragraph about the couple and then like all the photos, you could like um, actually talk about like break it up into sections and talk about like the best features of Borthwick Castle, what to do in the area, mm. um, what what's the average cost of a wedding at Borthwick Castle. Um, you, you know, you could provide a lot of value whilst also still blogging that wedding at the same time. Yeah. And if Google is, um, I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's like a, I've I've seen the castle, but I'm assuming people are googling are googling like Borthwick Castle wedding. Uh, maybe not in huge numbers, but those people who are, if you've got like the best answer to that question, they're going to come to your stuff first. Yeah. Um, so it's easy to get like overwhelmed by it, but I'd probably start by looking at like, um, you know, what have you got already that you can blog? Because, because there's a lot of like, you know, research that goes into creating like a good blog. Mm-hmm. What can you do like initially? What have you got your hands on at the minute that you could kind of just like put something out there? And the few, few of your photos um, kind of, photographers they always say um like if you've got anything it could just be like te- like a bullet point like you've got 10 best wedding locations in scotland you could literally just post it as bullet points with no other information just so that google's kind of starting to get the traction so don't wait for it to be perfect just like get a blog get some information together post it keep working on it as it's as google's trolling it mm-hmm. um the question around like a page and a post the only information i got around that was um that a page, like you could create a separate page for like cornerstone content. So I've got like the Alaska Lopeman Guide, the Scotland, How to Lopeman Scotland. That's kind of like my cornerstone, like the main blogs that I want, uh, yeah. where majority of my work come from. I create a separate page and I create a post for like supplementary stuff, like the ceremony ideas. If I'm blogging like a couple uh, and they're Lopeman, I'll use a, a post. But I think Dylan and Corey had... Uh, had tested it and hadn't noticed much, much difference in page or post, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, I think that's the, the top and tail of it is that it's not like too important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. The, the main point is just have good content and yeah. help people. Yeah. Help people. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's like the underlying thing is provide, you know, it's easy to find out too. You'll go through emails and you'll see what people have asked you. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you, what are you always typing in emails? You'll you'll know yourself. You answer you answer emails. You think I'm always I'm always typing the same yeah. answer to this. Like why don't you just like create like a resource for it mm. and direct people towards it and then yeah. kind of help yourself out that way? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've gotten rid of some of the questions because obviously we're running a little bit late and I want to do a little show and tell. Uh, but I just wanted to oh. draw people's <laughs> attention to the fact that you were a rising star. Uh, for the range, my uh, for the range finder, uh, back in twenty, I don't have the date. Is it twenty twenty two? Yeah. Your range. How how has that yeah. been? Yeah, it's been good. It's um, it's odd in 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 um, when you first when I first started, like I didn't know what that was, but then you know you mm. suddenly kind of you, one way or another, you find out what it is. Yeah. And um, obviously, like a lot of the kind of photographers that I looked up to had won this award in the past and there's a lot from Newcastle that had won it like it's mm. an unusually unusual amount <laughs> unusual amount of like people and I think I got an introduction because the the photographer that I'd first 
I did that videography wedding with, he, he won it. So yeah. I think I kind of knew early on what it was. Um, but I never thought in my wildest dreams that I'd ever get nominated for it or, or win this award because like the standard is just insane. Mm. Uh, every year it's like just picking up and up and up and I just I just thought like, whatever, it's not, never gonna happen to me. And also like you could never chase that award because you had to be nominated for it and it was kind of secretive and all this sort of stuff. Um, although this year I think you can self-nominate now. All right. Oh, can um, you? All right, okay. Yeah, you can nominate yourself now this year going forward. They've changed, they've changed it up. Interesting. Um, mm. But you had to be nominated by like a previous winner or an industry professional. Yeah. And uh, my friend had won it the previous year and she had nominated me. Um, got an email saying like someone's, you know, nominated you for this award, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you've got to pick 30 of your best images from a whole the whole day that tell a story which took lit- literally months and months like to go through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, kind of... Uh, I went through that whole process, which was actually really, really good because it, ha- it helped me to find gaps because I was choosing like 30 images, best portrait, best ceremony shot, best prep shot. And I'd realize I haven't got this shot. Like, why, why do I not take this shot? You know, oh, or okay. like, why, why, have I, why can't I find like a really good ceremony wide shot? Like, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. And okay. so like, it's really helpful. I think every year, if you can go through your, through your work and just kind of say, you know, try and pick your best photos, 30 of your best photos and just say, you know what, there's like, there's definitely something I can improve on for next year. Yeah. So I found it like really, really useful in that way. Interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, I submitted it, and then like a few months down the line, I got an email. In the actually woke up because my daughter was crying, so it was like three o'clock in the morning. I woke up. I thought I hadn't won it because I'd checked my emails all day. I hadn't got anything, and she'd been sick in the bed. In the bed. Oh. So I, I'm going into her bedroom, like looking at my emails. You've won this Rising Star Award, and I was like holy crap like what i can't believe it like and as i'm like dealing with a sick child uh so right the, back kind of, back to Earth. the kind of comp- the kind of the kind of yeah it was it was yeah. very odd kind of kind of moment Highs and lows it right there. um yeah it was very like that the, the scene was strange um but yeah to be honest with you like it's it's crazy because i i'd never seen anything like unique that i would win that award like it was just an honor to be nominated and i was thankful to kind of um send photos in mm-hmm. um and uh, obviously they, they saw something that they liked, which was cool. Um, but in terms of like awards in general, um, they, they never really convert to like more work. Yeah. I don't think like it hasn't changed, you know, the, the work hasn't yeah. changed my following online. Like it never changed my Instagram following. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to, it's not going to be like a, like a sudden like crazy boost. It just, I think, um, puts your name amongst more industry professionals. Yeah. People are maybe aware of you in, in, in some sense. Um, so it's more like recognition because I think there's a lot of kind of self-doubt, especially in my mind, like my work was like, wasn't good enough. I'm like terrible. I've gone like through this process, like loads of times, like why am I even photographing? Um, so to kind of get that award was like a nice little nudge, like, you know, you're doing all right, like keep it up. Um, so in that sense, it was like, it was quite nice. Yeah. Oh uh, Yeah. Well, congratulations again. Yeah. Now, show and tell, a new section of the podcast, oh, uh, in, in, inspired by a past episode of when we were working with Thrive last year. Who was it that we had on talking? Sam Docker. It was Sam Docker, and I showed, basically, from now on, I want to pick a handful of images to show, and for you to tell me. Um, the story behind first? it. Anyone will do. I, I will. I will choose it. I, Greg, Greg will put it up on screen. First of all, can you see this image? 
Yes. Okay. Uh, audio listeners, I'm very sorry. You're going to have to stop and go to our YouTube channel and hit subscribe. Or <laughs> <laughs> um, Spotify. Interesting you've chose this one. <laughs> so the reason I've chosen this one to begin with, uh, it's a couple standing in the wood, obviously reading their vows, perhaps. I'm not entirely sure if it's their vows because... Um, there's no celebrant. It doesn't seem like a ceremony location, but this reminds me of a time where we shot a really beautiful scene very much like this. Um, it wasn't part of their ceremony, but we put them in the woods. It had amazing light, and they had personal letters. And I am mm. not sure. So tell me about this image. It's interesting. I don't know how I got that image because I thought it was removed from my website. Maybe it's some other page. <laughs> uh, where did I get it from? I might have got it from your Instagram page. Okay, okay. Um, the reason it's interesting is this is from a workshop I did with Sean Bell. Oh, okay. oh so it's not even a real thing. Oh, no, yeah. no. <laughs> t- t- two of the images you've got there. One was from when I was exploring the Dolomites with like a couple that I'd hired, and this uh, one's yeah. from a workshop. <laughs> I-, I figured the Dolomites was a was a workshop, but that's uh, yeah. That, that's. F- <laughs> but but it's interesting uh it's interesting this photo because um that was like when I was first starting to think about changing my website mm-hmm. that I wanted to get and get some outdoor content. Yeah. I I found Photography Farm. I'm sure it was Photography Farm. And um they were doing like a shoot in Scotland. This was only like an hour from my house because uh Newcastle like, is really close, obviously to kind of the Edinburgh area. Uh-huh. Um so I turned up for this workshop um, and there's a kind of couple, like real couple, but they're kind of obviously hired models for the, for the shoot. There's like 10 other photographers there. Um, and Sean, Sean Bell is leading our group. And uh, he's kind of set up the, the, kind, of, the kind of scene um, in the woodland mm-hmm. um, with a couple of reading their vows. So for, I couldn't really say from my perspective that there's anything kind of unique that I've done there because uh-huh. this is all kind of like a scene being set up by someone else. Yep. Um, sort of feel wrong for me to kind of um, say, oh, yes, the light was just uh, amazing through the trees there. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, so I I don't know what's going to make me in future pick certain images, right? But for me, this was more of a, an idea kind of image that you don't need to wait until the ceremony to get some nice shot of them telling each other stuff. It doesn't even need yeah. to be vows, you know, um, and mm. letter reading, maybe, you know, you'd see it on every wedding film, uh, yeah. circa six years ago, like them writing their vows or reading it on camera or whatever. And sometimes yeah. people still do that, but I always really like just taking the couple away and placing them somewhere yeah. and just giving them a, a, a moment. Yeah. That isn't backing ceremony. off a little as well. Backing off mm, a little yeah. bit, yeah, absolutely. And just because, I mean, we had a really nice moment on Alan Rassi where we did, you know, the couple didn't even want this moment videoed. But I was mm. very insistent and it was <laughs> in a nice way, obviously. <laughs> I, I was able to tell them why they would want this. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it was an absolute, it was just beautiful. Yeah. And they and told themselves stuff that they didn't tell them that they didn't speak of during the ceremony. Yeah. So it was just... That was... Well, that's like... This this podcast always... There's been a lot about elopements, but obviously some listeners won't really shoot elopements, but might still listen yeah. as well. But that was a large wedding in Rassi. That was a, yeah, that was a large wedding. But the couple were a bit more introverted in the fact that they didn't want mm. to publicly declare emotional, yeah. like, things in the ceremony. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So that's why they had the private letter reading to each other. Yeah. And it's a way of, you can still get that intimate, yeah. private vow content, even if your couple are introverted. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a, there's a lot that can be said from this photo, actually, in terms of like um, that, that kind of back-end experience thing. Because um, I like like you said there, like I offer now like couples to, um, even if they don't want to say, like even in our allotment actually, like we didn't say personal vows in our ceremony, even though we had like our two best friends there, Sean yeah. and our friend who was a celebrant. Like we didn't even want to say anything personal there because we were that kind of like nervous about it. Yeah. Um, I offer couples, especially if they've got like guests there and all that, to like say their personal vows somewhere else if they want to. Like, yeah. I'll 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 stay back. I'll put like a eighty five on. I'll just get some wide shots. No one else is here. You can just be like present with each other and you can have that experience. Mm. And um, I've even had it where the couples have had like a completely like a second ceremony. Like in Glencore last year, a couple had a ceremony. And then in secret, until obviously the family finds out, sees the photos, we went to a second spot with the same celebrant, like a couple of miles away, and they had a second ceremony, full ceremony, just them two with personal vows. So they had yeah. like two ceremonies. Oh, amazing. Um, and I think like these are the kinds of um, like experience things and these like nuggets of information and kind of tips and tricks and stuff that like we think probably not much of, but like yeah. a couple would never have in their dreams probably even thought that, that that's something people could do. Yeah. And uh, probably for like the couple that you were mentioning, like they really appreciated the fact that you, you kind of like offered that as an option. Yeah. Yeah, and so to, just for videographers out there to mic it, just a little Sony in the jacket pocket with a with a wind muff picks both of them up fine because um, they're standing so close to each other. Next image, Greg. Uh, no, 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 not the not Dolomite. Is that yeah? This one. Talk about tips and tricks. Now I've selected this image, uh, David, because um, one I liked it, but I have re- we recently just uh, released a video where I talk about my favorite tool for weddings, and my favorite tool is a prism. Now. Oh, I, I, I don't know. This doesn't look like a prism to me. Uh, could be wrong. However, you've used a very similar technique in the fact that you're you're creating a, 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 not like a. To me, you you are creating an image here. You're not you're not capturing an image, mm. right? So tell me what this shot, how you did it, the story behind it. Yeah, this isn't a prism. Um, the is, is it your phone? No. I'm going to guess. It's, it's, um, is that a TV on this side? Oh, no. No, almost. Oh. <laughs> almost. There was an option for a TV, but um, I've tried TV reflections before, but usually I can't focus through them. Like It's yeah. kind of too yeah. too blurry. Um, but the this there is it's a, it's the, um, it's a mirror, right? Yeah. I, but I you just... know some of those mirrors, they have like an angled at the very edges mirror? Yeah. Yep. I was shooting through that. Uh, nice. So, like, um, and there's a few shots I've, like, since this that I've kind of seen mirrors and I've tried, like, if you place it, you'll get, like, the mirror shot and you'll get, like, two, three, maybe even four of, like, the, of their reflection, like, yeah. still. And um, it, it really, because I was, I think I was kind of stuck in a rut with, like, portraits and stuff like that. And I was trying to, like, focus less on creating portraits that I'd seen, you know, like other photographers post, like mm-hmm. put them by a window, you know, 
light on the side of the face, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I was just kind of thinking, how can I like just be like a little bit more creative, a little bit more fun with it? And um, I had a really good like trip from tip from Nina and Derek, who had had a, a, a workshop with like probably two years before this. But they said uh, at weddings, what they do is sometimes they'll pour, they'll do like, oh, we'll pour, we'll take five photographs for them and one for us. Yeah. Um, and I may not use it, but like I want to try it like throughout the day create something for me that's just for me for my creative itch i might think it's cool shooting through fern shooting through get a get a mirror get a prism do whatever you want to kind of like just spark something and give you like a little bit of like you know because you could have a huge payoff you could like create the best image you've ever created yeah um, this is kind of what happened here i'd done some portraits and i saw this reflection and i just kind of captured it through there and i feel like what you're saying there i was really trying to think more about creating creating an image and creating mm. a mood and trying to like intentionally do that rather than shooting passively and just like going with with the flow because for me I'd never kind of get better if I kept doing that yeah yeah um so this this is the kind of like the the result uh, of that mm. it's quite it's quite nice having them on the big screen here obviously the big screen you won't be able to see very well but <laughs> for me like when when I saw this on Instagram and like when I took it off your 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 social media there's certain little details that I couldn't see, but having them in the big on the big TV is quite nice. Like now that I'm looking at it, I can very clearly see that you're shooting a mirror because the the rings on her chest are kind of like doubled over, yeah. mm-hmm. um, as well as the nice reflection and just the shapes that you've created. I quite like it. Anyway, it was nice. The only downside to that was um, from. The only thing I'd change, because I'm a stickler for like composition and leading lines and stuff like that, is there's a line going through her head, and uh, I can't divert my eyes from that. There's a line going <laughs> through her head where the there's a vertical line of the window going through her head by her nose, and oh, I, I wish right. I'd, I wish uh, I'd framed it differently. Yeah, but it's quite nice but, though because her hair is almost the same color as the background. Yeah. So okay. the line and and that <laughs> we're getting really critical here, but the line continues down here, right into into, into her, the line of her dress. Yeah. So in actual fact, when you're looking at it, it feels right to me. Okay. Where, whereas <laughs> normally you're right, you'd be yeah. looking for lines and stuff. It all, yeah. comes, it all comes down to you always over critique your own work, don't yeah. you? Like, yeah. Yeah. Honestly. That, yeah. Yeah. But and I, the moment yeah. gets so excited, and I'm like, "Oh, why didn't I just like take a breath <laughs> and be like, okay, you know?" Because I'm shooting, and I'm like, "Are these even in focus?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Uh, right. You know, next, get, like, so excited. Next images, because uh, or next image, because we're running out of time. Are, are you okay with time? I know we've run yeah, over I'm a little good. bit. Okay, I'm good. cool. Uh, so this one obviously is the Dolomites. Uh, Dolomites is having a thing at the moment mm. um, with workshops and and people taking. Um, stuff here the reason i picked this image um because you have incorporated the landscape into the composition in a way that a lot of people kind of miss an opportunity and i love Mm. doing this i love placing a couple or a person in the peak of a mountain or in the in the trough of a valley Mm. um you can see some amazing photographers doing the very same thing. But here, obviously, you've... I mean, the couple are beautifully posed in this tree or this hedge or on this stone that's surrounded by the green, and they've just that perfect triangle that you've put them in. And obviously, yeah. with the weather and the surrounding mountains, it just creates this 
stunning image for me. But what, what what's the story behind this image for you? Um, well, me and my friend basically hired a couple um, who were in Italy because we wanted to. She was she's shooting in Italy. She's like getting wants to market towards Italy. Uh-huh. I thought that I would want to do the odd destination allotment, so I thought I'll get some content. And also, I've never even been to Italy, so I thought I'll just go to Italy. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, and it was cool. <laughs> so this was like <laughs> yeah. this was like middle of the day. This is like an iconic like iconic allotment spot. Yeah. Um, I'd seen hundreds of images from this spot before and always usually similar perspective like a wide shot with there's like a with the little path like a thing yeah the little yeah. path yeah it comes yeah. out and they stood on the top and i thought um how can i create a different composition that's in a place that's been shot like so so much mm. um so i took the wide shot obviously i took like all the shots yeah and then i went up to the up to the top of this path and then I saw something I didn't see when I was like really far away, mm-hmm. which was these like um, trees that were coming out of the ground. But they were, it's almost like a bush or a hedge. It's like yeah. gnarly trees. It's not. It's, it not is, it's not like growing up. Yeah, it's gnarly. It's yeah, like yeah. A, I don't it's know. like and and also I really like playing with like texture in my photos. So like, mm. um, I like shooting through fern and like um, shooting like through long grasses. Uh, so maybe like it's the point where like it just like distorts or blurs the image a little bit and i thought here i get the perfect chance to kind of add texture to the photo so there's like a feeling in there of like the the, the kind of pines and stuff like that mm. um whilst also paying attention to the landscape in the background um so i just kind of set them in a, a hug uh, definitely changed some things on this photo too but, you would but, change because um, to me <laughs> i i i see this as a almost a perfect image because you're right with the textures i i love i love the way that you've kind of broken and greg's like oh god don't don't keep talking but i love the fact that you like you said you mentioned the textures so you've got the bottom half is that kind of like very sharp um those fine needle points from the trees and then in the background that kind of middle third is like out of focus grayscale um, you know, still sharp, but not quite as sharp as as below. And then the clouds again with that kind of grayscale, uh, mm. offering a different texture. And just you've broken it into third, kind of like a pudding, like a trifle, like a trifle. <laughs> and I'm looking at it, and it's love just, a trifle. And then you've perfectly placed this couple beautifully posed in that hill, and I just yeah. think it's perfect. What what what, what would you cha- what you said you would change stuff about this. What would you change? Yeah. Well, the things that were out of my control was like the time of day. So I'd probably shoot it at sunset because this was middle of the day and it was quite harsh light. We just, it doesn't look like that, it but there was just mist no, on the mountains. Doesn't, doesn't but there was harsh light like around. I think right. it went behind a cloud, but All right. um, the, the only thing I'd change is um, in, in every photo, like portraits, I'm always trying to make sure that the hands are doing something. So mm. the hand is kind of... Um, is kind of uh, her left hand isn't doing anything here, and it should be placed on his on his arm. It should be like it should be holding his 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 upper arm or his elbow. Um, I feel like when arms start to like um, droop or like lo- or like just dangle, um, unless it's like intentionally, it can uh, break the connection with the couple in the photo. And I think here it kind of breaks it a little bit. I think she was just balancing with her hand, to be honest with you, but. Um, but like that's that's something I wish I in the moment had paid more attention to because I would have just told her to move her hand onto him. But mm-hmm. um, 
other than that, like, you know, hey, feel, that's how it goes. I feel like <laughs> you get a, a lot of feeling from the image. Like there's, there's the drama from the landscape, but when you look past that tree thing that they're sitting in, you're like, that looks a bit sketchy. Is it? it looks a bit, a wee bit scary. You're like, is that a drop behind them? <laughs> so you're getting, a, you're getting a lot of feelings from looking at it. So if you're analyzing the hands, the, hand, the <laughs> hands holding on tight. <laughs> See, it's I quite a big I, area. <laughs> I didn't get that feeling, but I suppose you're you are right. Yeah, they could yeah. like through through yeah. that gap there's just it just looks like a drop, and you're like, oh, there's a bit of drama there. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a like nice like um, it looks scary when you look at the wide photo because it almost looks like there's no space at the top of there, but <laughs> there is like quite a bit of space, and beyond the hedges, there is like another little space that you could stand, in, and that's where usually people do stand. Yeah. Um, but you obviously can't <laughs> see that from that image. It was perfectly safe. Yeah. That's what you get perfectly that. safe, yeah. 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 Uh, no, that's that, that's excellent. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, talk about your, your images there. I um, I quite like this little section of just like critiquing, not critiquing, but having a conversation about actual images that, you know, our guests have taken and the story Thanks. behind them. So No, it's a cool idea. Um, I liked it. Next time I'll, ma- I'll maybe run it th- by our guests to make sure that it's not like all workshops. <laughs> I know. I saw the two of them and I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. You could have lied. You could have said anything. I could have. Uh, oh, it's not right, though, is it? It's not right. <laughs> but, no. you know, e- even if they were workshop photographs, uh, photographs, uh, images, uh, they still offered a discussion point yeah. and especially mm. like if our listeners have even just not seen the images, they've just listened to us talk about, you know, the ideas behind some of these images or maybe they, maybe we've sparked an idea in their head or that, that's, that is the goal. Yeah. That's the goal of the podcast. Yeah. That is the goal of this new show and tell, which I love. <laughs> I love the show and tell. Yeah. So great. Um, definitely, definitely watch this show and tell because the, you're missing out if you're not. Um, the, anyway. the cool thing about um, the one thing I would say about the fact that there are there are like workshop or models mm. is um, workshops are really cool if you're starting out and you want to get some content and you want to learn from like some someone who's like doing really well, mm. um, getting content that you couldn't otherwise get, uh, socializing and networking. Like I still chat to a lot of these photographers I was on that workshop with, mm. um, and also like um, hiring couples. Uh, just for personal reasons, like just because you want to try something new, you want to try go to a new location. Like it's really good, and it really kind of um, will keep your creative energy going. You know, if you if yep. you always want to try something, you push the boundaries a little bit, but you don't want to try on a wedding day because it's too much risk. You don't want to kind of deliver a different style that they've booked you for this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then doing like personal projects is like a really good way of of kind of um, trying new stuff out. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Very well, cool. You've already gave your top piece of advice to anybody getting started in the industry. So we'll jump straight to, do you have any oh. book recommendations <laughs> for our listeners? Any, what, sorry? Book recommendations? Oh. Or um, I guess, I guess it could be other online resources. Like mm. you've mentioned, fuel your photos, but. Yeah. Or, mm. or films, since you're talking about yeah. cinematography. I um would probably I do have a couple of books down there, a couple of portrait books that um, I got, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend those. <laughs> to be honest with you, why? <laughs> why not? Not because they're not good. They're by like amazing photographers, but that's the only books that I've like got that are photography related. Uh huh. That's um, okay. 
the 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 online well the the, the film okay so i guess the thing i could recommend is um like if you really want to learn like um how to use light and how to set up a scene and stuff like that is looking at like cinematographers so like my one of my favorite films for the cinematography is um interstellar oh in fact it's probably my favorite film of all time it yeah. has to be up there so also there's a really really good film called and actually i'd probably say this above everything is there's a really cool film called in the mood for love okay. i'm not sure if you've heard it no i don't i'd so. never heard about it until um nina and Derek, when i had that workshop that mentoring session with them a couple of years ago they sent me like a list of films to watch uh-huh. it was voted like the best film of all time and i'd never even heard of it um, what yeah 2000 where would i go here it's it's from like 1990s i think or maybe something like that it's chinese i think it's a chinese film yeah yeah it's um just for pure like um uh cinematography like um composition like story like storytelling mm-hmm. it's like it's an incredible film like for for um, for that, you know, you can watch something like Interstellar and go like, "How would I apply like that stuff to like my work?" Yeah. But a lot of the scenes are like indoor scenes in rooms and bedrooms in the in this film. Yeah. Um, incandescent lighting, natural light, um, really dark like moonlit alleyways and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. It's really like um, it's really like inspiring to like film to watch. So in the mood for love, I think there's a sequel I've not watched as well. Okay. Um, I don't think the sequel was as good, but hey, I think it's called like 1864 or something. Yeah. I'm not too sure. Um, but the director's like really good. Um, so I'd recommend, I'd recommend In the Mood for Love. Mm. Quite a dark, uh, dark, I mean, I don't want to say horror, cause but I don't know. The use of the font and the long hallways and the lighting and the framing, I can see... I can see some of this being able to be used in like wedding stuff. Others, other aspects of the of the cinematography, woofed. Nice and dark, just how yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's a quite a romantic film, so it kind of contrasts with that what you're seeing the yeah. visuals. Yeah, it isn't. It's kind of a like a, a love. It's a love story. The film, mm. um, but like a resource um, would have to be fuel your photos that I would send people to for yeah. like education online yeah um definitely cool. like would be that because just because that's like what i don't think I'd, my business would be here today if if i hadn't found those people yeah um online awesome. at all awesome it's a, a big recommendation hell yeah. yeah yeah well that brings us to the end thank you very much for thank joining you. us for uh, another very long episode <laughs> two, and a half, two, two, hour, two hours and 20 minutes jesus um where can people find you online um they can find me on my website david or on instagram david photography and uh I think I have TikTok. I think it's the same, David Connity dot photography. Mm. I don't know, um, but yeah, website and social and like Instagram. That's usually where I am the most, like posting like stories of what I'm up to and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Uh, and people can find us at perspectivebycinemate.com. Our Instagram is at perspectivebycinemate, so um, you can join us there. Still low numbers. We're um, we're getting there. We're getting there very slowly. It's, it's again. It's always hard to say. Like we've been doing this podcast for three years. It's really popular, but our Instagram has like two hundred followers. So we just started. <laughs> it looks like we've just started, but uh, yeah, 
So if you feel sorry for us, don't. But go and like, <laughs> go and like our Instagram. Uh, and thank. Man, you I know your podcast is huge. Like I know so many <laughs> photographers who like watch you, who listen to you, and you've had like such big names on. Obviously, like your respected podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. I'm. I'm glad yeah. that is the case. I'm glad that is the case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for with Jack for sponsoring another episode of this podcast. If you love this conversation, you can hit that subscribe button on our YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at perspective by cinema or wherever you get your podcast you can get your podcast there however in the meantime enjoy your life <laughs>